And welcome back. We figured out that tech issue because, you know, whatever. Anyway, moving on. We are going to overhaul some things in the offseason. I promise you that. It's time for Mock Men's Selections. And joining me on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline, across the top from left to right, is Matt Snyder, who may be licking his... No, no, you're celebrating. That's right. You're... No, you're not. You're not celebrating. I'm sorry. My bad. Got a little confused there. Ryan Scott uh, had no aspirations for anything, so he's certainly not licking his wounds. Bob Quillman, I don't know where he stands on the postseason this year, but I know he's a little disappointed in I, his I've been Titans. out since, like, January. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I, I'll have a, quote, a moment on that. Drew Pastor joins us, sir. Welcome to have you back on the Hoopsville Show to do selections. And, of course, myself. By the way, no career asp or, uh, postseason aspirations whatsoever because my team was pretty much out of it after the second week of the season. I'd just like to say that the Eastern Nazarene College women were in the NEC That's true. Game. That's true. And it was pretty even at halftime, even though I didn't really have any right to be. <laughs> Mitchell is better. So. All right. So uh, due to technical issues and other things, we have lost some time here. So let's uh, try and pick up the pace. Not that we will. But we'll get going. We're going to do mo men's mock selections here. We'll get the screen ready just like we did on women's here in a moment. But let's remind everybody of the process. If you're just tuning in, especially if you didn't see the women's side, we have main criteria of D3 winning win-loss percentage. D3 is the emphasis there. Um, your D3 strength of schedule, your results versus region-ranked opponents, your head-to-heads, if you have any common head-to-heads, common opponents, if you have any common opponents. We'll talk about secondary criteria if we have to wade into it. Um, Bob, we'll start with you. Uh, anything else you want to keep everybody in mind with or something you've learned in the process, et cetera, that you think will be key today? Um, I think we've learned from uh, all the conversations with the, the committee that they, they're digging deeply into the quality of regionally ranked opponent wins. You know, whatever that means, we'll, we'll have to get into, but they don't just look at a five as a, you know, a number, they dig into that five. So I think we'll want to pay attention to that. It's also clear that they, you know, I've heard the term outliers. You know, if there's an outlier, we do this. So that's uh, that's something I'm sure as we look at some of these resumes on the board that we'll want to pay attention to. That's a good call, sir. Uh, Ryan Scott, any thoughts? Um, no, I mean, I think it'll really be interesting as we get down. I think we've got maybe maybe half the teams that we're, we're picking that we're all relatively agreed on but i think there's going to be some interesting and heated debate as we get down towards the bottom because there there were so many top teams losing in these tournaments that you're gonna have really really competitive resumes not getting in this year in a way we haven't seen in quite a while yeah that's a good call hey drew do you want to add or sorry before drew matt any thoughts just to piggyback off of ryan we saw so many upsets uh sunday and saturday that teams that we thought were safe are probably going to be our bubble conversations now. Teams we thought were going to be the bubble conversations, some of them might not even see the board, and it was just a crazy weekend, and we'll probably see that here as we go through. Good call. And Drew Pastor, any thoughts on yourself? I think these other guys have said everything there is to be said before we jump into it. Uh, good call. Um, all right, uh, quick question. Um, anybody want to explain who's on the table? We'll get the get it on there first. But did we, or I should say, a better question would be: Did we have to make any changes to regional rankings? I'll admit, right now, we were not able to glean information like I have, and, and admittedly, I think there's a few reasons behind that, including the fact that we were starting to glean information that maybe things have gotten tightened up a wee bit. Um, but have we been able to try and figure out where who's in the regional rankings? 
in what order or have we made decisions already that need to be at least stated out loud? Yeah, I, w I was given the regional ranking task on this one and because like you said, the, the gleaning machine has been shut down you know, <laughs> in recent years. The past years we'd come to this show and it seemed like we kind of knew what was going on in the regions. Uh, we went through the, the, the regions. There were some changes here and there. I think in some regions, more significant than others. In a region like Region 1, it was a matter of moving the order of a few teams around. I don't think we added anybody. Um, an example I can think of where a change is fairly significant is like Region 9, where Whitewater moves all the way up to, I believe we moved Whitewater up to two. Let's see, we moved Whitewater up to two, and they were six before. Um, feel pretty good about that. The, the order of Region 3 on the men's side is really significant because there are a bunch of Pool C competitive resumes in Region 3. And the order last week of those teams, which, which I left alone, but it makes a big difference here. Like Rochester, Utica, Nazareth, Brockport, they all have good Pool C resumes. But because of the way this process may play out, it's possible one of them gets in or none, right? So like if Rochester were to just sit here and sit here and sit here, and Utica might never get to the board. So those are just some high level things, Dave. We've incorporated the new, new, the projected regional rankings into the data that we're gonna share. So like we added hope to region seven and that gave an RRO win here or there. So our RROs reflect the new rankings. That's a good way of putting it. Thank you, Bob. That was that was very helpful. We should point out, by the way, we have no pool uh, Bs on the men's side. There were not enough teams. So unlike on the women's side, we're not going to have that conversation to get a bid taken off the board. Uh, that's One thing too, Dave, I yeah. forgot to mention Region 6. Um, we flipped an order at the bottom. At the bottom of, of Region 6, it was Maryville and then Guilford last week, and we reversed the order. So we put Guilford ahead of Maryville, which uh, we're, what we're probably saying is Guilford's the last one that's got any chance. There's probably a cutoff there where at the end, Guilford's probably going sit, to be sitting around. Um, so th that was a big change. As we get to different teams, I'll, I'll try to mention where there were regional ranking change implications, but that was a big one. I've now put up and there, uh, and there are some that aren't likely to matter as much. You know, there's we could probably debate, you know, like the end of region five and who dropped out and who came in, but that's probably not gonna make a huge difference. There are a few of those, you know, Babson probably jumped quite a bit, but they won the pool A, so it's it's less applicable to something like this. Good point. Yeah, yeah good point. Um I've got uh, who's on the board and who is uh not selected so far. Uh, on the screen, we will eventually get a cool little feature called um, Key Wins put on there as well. I'm just moving some uh, sponsorship logos around because they must be put on the screen uh, if you understand what, how this all works, folks. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, guys, let's move forward. Let's let's get let's get this on, as it were. Um, we got to make a pick, and on the table we have. Um, I will try and make this screen maybe a little bit bigger. St. Joseph's of Connecticut, who surprisingly lost in the GNAC Championship to Albertus Magnus, part of the carnage this weekend. Uh, they were the, maybe the last bits of that carnage uh, as they lost their first and only game of the season in the GNAC tournament. 
Uh, WPI is on the board, another team that I think many thought would win the AQ. Rochester is on the board in Region 3 out of the UAA. Stockton out of Region 4 on the board, no surprise there. Johns Hopkins in a turnabout, maybe he's not fair play. Swarthmore did to Hopkins what Hopkins has done to Swarthmore for the last two seasons. Uh, Mary Washington's on the board at Region 6. Region 7 is John Carroll, who got pretty much surprised by uh, um, Marietta in the semifinals of the conference tournament. Wheaton, who got surprised in the CCIW. Oshkosh, <laughs> tell me if you heard this theme, got surprised in the WIAC. And St. Thomas, and, and hold on, got surprised in the SCAC. And that's why I think this on the men's side is going to be fascinating. And, and why Sarah has challenged to say she doesn't think we can get this done right. She doesn't think we've got the capabilities, gents. So the game is on. What's the argument for, for pick number one? Let's go. Well, to me, whenever we start off, I, I like to look at the highest winning percentage and then see if it's supported by good SOS and good ROs. So my, I, I gravitate in this case, obviously, to St. Joseph's in that .964, and I start going to the right and I see a 0.543 SOS, which is strong. It's certainly not bad. Um, it's on the strong side and then, and then four wins. And if we dig into that, one of those four wins is against a team that's sitting on the board, which is Oshkosh. That game was played in South Dakota of all places. <laughs> so um, as I look across, you know, there, we, can, we can start to pick off some teams and say 640 is an outlier at this point that we wouldn't consider 704 is probably an outlier. So I start across like that first row I'm looking at is like, wow, that's a pretty good one. And I start to see if anyone can beat that. Uh, I'll, I'll let some other folks jump in here. I think there's, um, I, mean, I mean, I don't know that St. Joe's has the best total resume on this board, but also we don't want to spend too much time on these early picks because we know a lot of them are going to get in anyway. And St. Joe's has been near the top of the rankings that we've seen through all the year. And so I, you know, I think that's a good pick to start off with. I'm with you. St. Joe's was number one on my board as well, uh, given even after the surprise defeat this afternoon. Yeah, and if you looked at similar resumes like a St. Thomas, maybe, um, their winning percentage is not as high. The strength of schedule is in the range. Three regionally ranked wins, but none of them are as good as uh, St. Joseph's regionally ranked wins. St. Joseph has a win against UW Oshkosh, who's a number one on the re uh, region on this board, and a win against WPI, who's a number two in the region and yeah. on this board. That's I think that's a good resume for St. Joseph. Yeah, two wins against teams sitting there on the board. That's got to be pretty rare. And so I suppose what the committee does is probably what we're doing, which is saying there's no drama here. We could hash this one out for the next six hours, but it's it, it feels like really safe pick to just put St. Joe in, and then we'll we'll move on and put another team in Region One there. Do it. All right, so I will type in St. Joseph, and that brings Middlebury to the board at Region 1. So St. Joseph, despite the loss, gets off the table quickly. And interesting enough, we had a lot of conversation about St. Joseph's or Middlebury, but Middlebury made it easy a couple weeks, or in the last two weeks, to stay ahead of Middlebury, but Middlebury goes there to replace them. Anything jump out at you guys here because the... Uh, there's some good winning percentages, and there's some pretty solid SOSs, but I think unlike the women, the SOSs are all over the place. I think the, again, I think we can eliminate, well, we don't need to go 640 or 704 yet. You know, I, there, there's, there's some really good cases there that we're going to get to, but I don't think we're there yet. 
So to me, you know, what can I cross off? I'm looking for like strong, strong, strong in those three columns. And I've got it with Middlebury for sure. Um, I've got it with Stockton. I've got it with Oshkosh. I've got it with Wheaton. We have all kinds of great picks here, right? So we there's a bunch of just outstanding resumes. Um, Matt, what do you what do you think here as you look at round two? Yeah, I, I mean Middlebury just popped right on the board. Um, you know they, their winning percentage isn't the highest of the group, but they have six regionally ranked wins, including a number one against Keene State. Um, some other teams that have really good wins on the board are Johns Hopkins has a win against Swarthmore, who is a number one. Um, so I'm kind of looking at who's got maybe some of the best wins that could set them set them apart, and those two teams kind of stick out to me uh, right away. And John Carroll has the win over Wheaton, and yeah. John Carroll has a win over over a uh, what a top two seed in a region of Mount Union. Mount so Union. There, yeah. If you at this point we have the luxury of being really picky, and we can look at some of those like who's got great wins. Um, you know, the one thing is it true, Matt, that like, what's Oshkosh's best regionally ranked win? It, there's not like a a wow win, is there, on Oshkosh's resume? Not super wow. If we put UW Whitewater number two, then I think they have two wins against Whitewater during the regular season. So those are their best wins. But Whitewater's like probably not the best two around the country if they're if they're looking at it into that type of a depth. Ryan, what do you think? Well, I I mean I would like to do. We're going to have a lot of debate later on. So you mentioned Middlebury. Stockton, Wheaton, Oshkosh as as teams that are strong in all three categories. I, I don't know if we want to just pick the four of them right away. Um, I know we're not allowed to do that in the way that this normally works, but we want to kind of move along so we're not doing this for four hours, right, Dave? Yeah, that'd be preferable. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> it just, you know, people get it, it what, what we would have done, but I think Middlebury, we all agree with, we all agree with Oshkosh. Again, this Stockton, is the, for sure. Stockton is is a lock whether they're here or a couple spots later. And then and then Wheaton and then we can sort of reevaluate the board now that there's four new teams on it. Yeah, good call. Yeah, Mike Shower will be for us. Yeah. Mike Shower will be re, re, will be relieved that he's in the tournament. <laughs> I think he's just relieved that he's not in charge of this this year. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So you got Williams in the first region, WPI in region two, Rochester in region three, Montclair in four, Hopkins in five, Mary Washington in six, John Carroll seven, Wash U in eight, Lacrosse in nine, and St. Thomas of Texas is in ten. Um, and we are at picks number six here. And so yeah, we've got a really strong SOS there at Williams right at the top, the 584. Um, and then the four, the 846 winning percentage is also really, really high. And so I guess I'll throw them out on the table. I think Williams is maybe the next one that we that we need to pick here. Uh, I push uh, back a little at this point, yeah. just out of the, the quality of some of the wins. If you look at who their best wins are, we're talking about Hamilton, Wesleyan, uh, Trinity, it's there. The part of the resume that's the lightest is the the quality of those regionally ranked wins. That that's where I've been. You on want to throw the, Wash U up then? Wash U is a consideration for me here. Um, 
uh, I'm still I'm in the mix on John Carroll at this point based on the wins over Mount Union and Wheaton 846 I don't know if they're the pick here or not but they're in the mix for me I think WashU I think WashU has everything you want 765 74 6 and 6 and certainly they've got some good wins in there remind me who's like WashU's they've beaten uh, Emory twice they've beaten Rochester twice um NYU and Carnegie Mellon so maybe I guess number two of Rochester is their best win, so okay, regionally ranked wins. And we've, we've heard the committee refer to, uh, we've heard Sarah talk about, like, did they beat a top two in a region? Williams, no. I think Williams' best win is against, like, a five, a four or five, somewhere in there. A five. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's kind of dicey at this point. So I, I think I would take Wash U here, and then we're going to keep talking about Williams. I'd throw Hopkins. I'm okay with that. Okay. Are we comfortable making a pick with Wash U or do we want to go further? Drew wanted to talk about Hopkins, and I think that's a fair point. As Hopkins is 852, 554, 4 and 4. You know, it to me, they're going to come off the board quick. Um, I still like Wash U over Hopkins, but Hopkins has a win over Swarthmore. They also have two losses to Swarthmore, right? So one and yeah. two. Yep. And John Carroll has a, a one and a two in Wheat at Mount Union. Yeah. We could but, also again take this group to say uh, out of Williams, Hopkins, Washu, John Carroll, all of these are going to get in fairly soon. We could take that quartet and now uh, we're up to nine. Yeah. I mean, does that anyone sounds, disagree I'm with, good any? with that? Yeah. Well, the only risk being who comes to the table that might throw a monkey wrench into that group. For what it's worth, uh, I've I've got the comparative picks among Bob and uh, Matt and I, and these were the only nine teams to all be in our top ten for everybody. So I think these were pretty strong consensus ones, and then we may start yeah. to get into a little bit of disagreement at that point. But your show, Dave, will yield to, to how you like to. No, I don't. I understand it. I just I think maybe let's go one at a time, just so we can see who pops up, just so we don't just kind of group yeah, it. It's a good point. Let's put Wash U in. And what, what, what we see here is Elmhurst hits the board. And so we're in one of those moments where we've got a, a 643 that we're going to stare at for several rounds. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Elmhurst has a better resume than I would have expected, but um, they're, they're, they're going to be sitting here a long time. We may be talking about them like round 18 or something, but uh, it's a good call, Dave, because it shows you what pops up on the board. Yeah, it's not going to change who we're going with next, So. So then if we put in John, uh, John Carroll next, Worcester pops up. Worcester pops up, which is a good resume, but maybe not as many regionally ranked wins as you'd like to see. Um, and those are going to be a little bit lower, right? That's going to be Wabash, yeah. Emerson, Heidelberg. conversation yeah. with like Williams versus Worcester conversation is similar in that the issue is going to be finding the best win. Um, not that that's a make or break, but similar conversation. So then the next one we were gonna do was Hopkins? Yeah, Hopkins was the next one that we were just no brainer, 852, yeah. No drama with, with Hopkins there. And then Muhlenberg hits the board and that's a resume that's more like first and less like the other top teams. It starts to get easier now because we're starting to find outliers that we can say we're gonna pass on them at the I think we're back to curious who was behind Muhlenberg. Uh, let's see. Team, you mean? 
In the Region 5, who sat behind Muhlenberg? Um, Alvernia. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I just want to make sure there wasn't one that maybe came above and made it more interesting. Because remember, we had that Roanoke-Guilford conversation last year. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, no, that's great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it seems like it's Muhlenberg sitting here. Alvernia, yeah. Catholic. Catholic, oh, God, man, shot themselves in the foot. Uh, but I digress. Um, I think we're, I think so, we're back to a Williams conference. Drew had mentioned Williams as the fourth of that quartet. Are we okay putting them in at this point, or do you still want to have discussion, Bob? Who's Williams' who, who best be win? Their best win in the region is, who is it? Is it? For Williams, it's Hamilton, hmm. who's at number five. Is that where we rank them in the in the adjusted ranking, though? Or is Colby, where did Hamilton uh, and Colby compare there? Let me pull that up. Yeah, we had Hamilton five in the adjusted ranking. That's that's the issue here with with, with Williams. They're, they're going to get picked by us at some point. I don't know. We're about at that point for sure, because we have to pick someone, right? Now, it's a matter of who we're picking, but... I who's who's St. Thomas's? Teams that have, start to have some arguments, but I I don't see one that's who's St. Thomas's best know, one. Like screaming at me. St. Thomas doesn't have a real jump up and down. It, tell you what, let me let me give you one that that I like, and it'll give us something to talk about. Mary Washington, seven oh four. Okay, low, five seventy eight. Three and six. The three includes a win over the number one seeded team in this process, Randolph Macon. The the overall one and did they beat Hampton Sydney? They did. Yep. Who who will be in this process? Uh, Hampton Sydney will be regionally ranked. Is it four? I, I think I think we put them four. So like for me, I mean I'm talk about different resumes, but Mary Washington beat Randolph Macon. That's that carry that's a big gold chip yeah but now you're point, having so the, I, the question of does that big gold chip overcome 140 points of winning percentage that williams has advantage of and not a good rro but an extra rro on top of that yeah that's the conversation right i think that's going to be the committee conversation based on the regional rankings we've seen is just how much one win is going to play you know when you're looking at you know, what's 140 winning percentage? What is that? Maybe four or five wins difference? Probably close to four, yeah. yeah so with those four games uh, against nameless opponents going to mean less than one game against a really, really good one. And that's that's the committee discussion. And I think they're talking about that in ways we haven't seen, at least in recent years. But I suppose the flip side of that, I'm I'm not sure that we need to take Mary Washington at this point. But if you look at who are some of those losses to? They have three losses to Christopher Newport and one to Johns Hopkins, who are elite teams uh, in this process as well. So maybe the three and six doesn't look as bad as what uh, it might in some other situations. That said, I think we may be at the point where uh, Williams at some level is uh, is getting hit a little bit by the balance within the NESCAC, that there aren't the uh the number of elite teams but there are a lot of really solid top 100 kind of teams there and they've got some quality wins i would still be leaning toward williams at this stage but i could understand why mary washington's already coming into discussion i think i think it's williams you know we we, we can break a tie when, uh, when we get to quality of ROs, but 
it's it's probably not a tie. Eight forty six, five eighty four, four and three. Yeah. Um, it's probably not a tie, and so I think you put Williams in here and. In this case, I think there isn't a difference in the SOS to make the win-loss not a part of the conversation, and Williams is going to take that to the house. I think we're going to so be having similar... Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Tufts on here, which has a lower winning percentage by quite a bit than Williams did, but but a, a very impressive SOS still, and they've got six RROs on there. They played a really strong schedule, and they won a good number of those games. Yeah, Ryan and I were debating this one earlier on Twitter, and, and I honestly... I didn't do it at the end. Ryan talked me out of it. I, I wanted to regionally rank Tufts higher than Williams because Tufts won at Williams. Tufts has a win over Middlebury. Williams lost to Middlebury at home. Um, I guess all I'm saying is, to me, Tufts hitting the board here, 765, 74, 6 and 4. The wins include Williams and Middlebury. That, to me, that's the leader in the clubhouse until someone convinces me there's a better one up here. I agree. I, yeah, I don't have a strong argument against Tufts. They have a win over Middlebury, win over Williams, uh, several other RROs in the mix. Their winning percentage is, you know, among is playable on this board, and their strength of schedule is up above, you know, most other teams. So I think they're yeah. kind of a solid across the board resume. Just to be fair to Lacrosse, by the way, is um, the reason I haven't brought them up yet is because you could argue their resume isn't that far from from Tufts, but when you look at Lacrosse's five and five, this is another one where like, what are the best wins? And and it would be, did they win one against Whitewater? One against Whitewater, and then a couple against Eau Claire and St. John's and Guilford early in the season. So St. John's has turned into a crazy, not a not a, a not a valuable win, and Guilford is 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 on the bubble at best here. And uh, they don't they didn't beat Oshkosh. They had two cracks at Oshkosh. They didn't beat Oshkosh. Um, so, so to me, lacrosse is not viable yet. Whereas Tufts, we have we have some good wins to validate that strong. So to me, it's Tufts. And this is also where we start to see the SOS difference. So a 550 SOS is really, really good. But it, at this point, it maybe is not enough to make up for a lower winning percentage the way that it was, you know that that if it was a 580 or a 590 would make a big difference in in overcoming that winning percentage deficit. So, and that's what you're seeing with Tufts, right? They have a 760, which is not all that different than 731, but that 574 is a that's a significant jump from 556 to 574. You add in the regionally ranked wins and who they're over, it, it seems overwhelming to me that that Tufts going to win that one. I, I certainly don't disagree. I think Tufts has got a pretty strong resume there. It's interesting. I almost wonder if Tufts got ahead of Williams. I know I probably didn't, but... It know, wouldn't would... surprise me if we see the, the rankings. But either way, it's like... But either they're, way, right. They're one spot in a, in a 64-seeded uh, tournament. They're, they're like one line away from each other. Yeah, you no, know, I don't disagree. Either way, you know. Well, I'm fine if you guys want to go with Tufts there, and then maybe we take a bit of a pause. Uh, we have some great chats sure. to come up with Arcadia, North uh, North Carolina Wesleyan, and Co. Men's Basketball will give us a chance behind the scenes to kind of dive in and have our arguments. Uh, but if you're good with pausing there, gentlemen, we will take a break, and when we come back, we will hear from the aforementioned Arcadia Men's Basketball team. Went from being on the show about a twin coach to getting the win over um, the rest of the conference and, and clinch a bid to this tournament so they don't have to be even part of this conversation. You're listening to Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com. 
From the WBCA and ABC studios, thanks to our partners also at Sport Tours International. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. Great moments. Sorry to cut that off, Ad. We're just getting out of control there. Welcome back to Hoopsville. As we continue to argue behind the scenes about what's happening next on our rankings. 
In the meantime, we got a chance to hear from some of the coaches that we talked to, though much later than we told them they would be on. We apologize to everybody. We'll start with Arcadia. Remember, we had them on around Thanksgiving. Two coaches who are twins going to face off against one another. Great conversation to be had with the Van Zelst brothers. Well, one of them's on to the NCAA tournament. Adam Van Zelst and his Arcadia squad got the automatic bid in the MAC Freedom thanks to a tremendous run late in the season. We talked earlier today with Adam. Now join us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. It's the head coach from Arcadia. It's Adam Van Zelst back on the show, but for different reasons. We had a lot of fun. I'm half expecting your brother to be next to you at this point uh, when we had you on earlier this season. Now it's all about the celebratory side of things. You guys got it done in the conference, the Mac Freedom title. I'll be honest, I don't think I saw this coming. I mean, if you would have, you know, watched our team play in December, I don't think anybody saw this coming. Um, but, you know, really proud of the group. They really stuck with us, um, stuck with each other and, you know, believed in themselves. And, you know, we finished the season strong. And, you know, you know how it is. got to play your best basketball at the end of the season. And we really did that. And, um, you know, we got a big win yesterday at the sales on the road in a hostile environment. Um, you know, I could be proud of our guys. You know, we're, we're just really enjoying being around each other. And, again, season so long, you know, it's such an important thing. So really having a lot of fun. We'll talk about the 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 wrap up the title here in a moment, but it, you talked about the beginning. You lost nine of your opening fifteen games. Uh, to say that things could probably be over would probably be an understatement. At one point, you had lost six of eight. That's a that's tough to come back from sometimes, especially when you enter the conference, and the conference is going to chew you up a little bit as well. Especially teams like DeSales, like coming and and others. How do you guys, I don't want to say turn the ship, because I don't feel like you guys turn the ship, but how do you write yourselves, clear your minds a bit, and focus on trying to just improve when it seems like nothing's been going your way? It's just day by day, right? You know, you got to have belief. Um, You got to just keep you know, grinding away. And it's, you know, we, we had some change in personnel as well. You know, we had two uh, student athletes who were missing from our rotation earlier in the year joined us um you know, one of them towards the end of December and then more so the other one in January. Um, and that really made a difference and the pieces just kind of fit, right? Um, that, that was a huge help. And, you know, I, I think you just got to believe in what you're doing. Um, you got to just work at it and, you know, never give up. And I think that's part of it. You know, college basketball is crazy. I, you know, I thought we were talking about this yesterday. The biggest game of the season for us was we were 0-3 at conference uh, and we're going to Kings. Um, before before conference plays over until we start the new year, um, that was mu- that was pretty much a must win game for us. And you know we were able to scrap it out and do what we have to do and and buy us some time to kind of figure things out and adjust the pieces a little bit more. And um, you know we look back and it's it's crazy we were one and three in conference and you know here we are today. Yeah, that's that was that win during that six game streak. You lost five and one of two wins. The other one being a win in conference against Misericordia of that eight we were talking about, and we could extrapolate out beyond that. Uh, it was seven of ten losses. Uh, the other one coming to DeSales with a win against Stevens. What's interesting, though, is how you finished. We talked about that start, but um, nine wins out of 11 games to roll out the conference. That included an overtime win against DeSales to end the regular season at home. How important was that win to give you the motivation, momentum, whatever, into the conference tournament? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, this group of guys, you know, we've never beaten to sales. You know, that was the first time that, you know, anybody in our program has gotten a win over them. So that was monumental for us just to know that we can beat them, you know, beat a good team. Um, then also, we really wanted that game so we could play in the 2-3 game. Yes. You know, the MAC Conference, the way it's, set, it's scheduled the playoffs with – this is the last year with five teams in the, the Freedom side. But, 
you know, playing in that four or five game on Monday and then going Monday, Wednesday, Saturday is, is a grind. And, you know, we're, we don't play a deep rotation. So we knew that was going to be really important for us because, you know, that's just a really challenging thing to do is, you know, say you lose that game Saturday, you got to come back practice Sunday, and then we're most likely on the road Monday. Um, that's a really hard script to, to flip and, and and be ready to go. So, you know, we thought that was a huge – we've really approached that game as, as a must-win for us in a playoff game. And as we were talking about earlier with our with our record, I mean, the last month of the season, every game was almost a playoff game for us. So um, we were really prepared and and the guys were really focused and we knew what was at stake and, and how it could benefit, benefit us going forward winning that game. Well, the other interesting thing, by the way, the two losses were to Misericordia and Stevens, the two that you had gotten wins over earlier. But what's more important is you avoid the sales because by beating the sales, you're now a, a three instead of a four. As you said, you're not playing the four or five game, but more importantly, you're not playing the sales in the next round. You can avoid them until the title game. And then you get that win at their place. And it relatively wasn't close. I mean, 13 point uh, game in the end, 74, 61 held them to 61 points. What was clicking so well in what is a difficult place to play, especially conference tournament time? Because I know that place was absolutely jam packed. I mean, Coach Coble does an unbelievable job. I mean, we can sit here and talk about him at great lengths of what he's done with that program over years. Um, you know, really hostile environment, small, awesome, small college gym. Um, students, their, their student body turned out. But you know what? Really proud of the Arcadia family, too. You know, our student body turned out, and um, we're really proud and happy for that. But no, I mean, it's just, you know, it's funny when you play a team a week later, you don't really have to change much. It's one or two adjustments here. You know, your guys are familiar with their guys. You're going over the scout and you're just repeating yourself. You know, it's a couple tweaks, but, you know, we've really felt like we could guard them. The big thing for us was we just had to finish stops. They're a really good rebounding team. You know, they were plus nine on the season on the glass. So we figured if we could hold them to one shot, we could really have an opportunity to go in there and win the game. You know, and I also, you know, like to think we had the best player on the floor as well in Jalen Watkins, our senior big guy. Um, it just stabilizes us. We could throw the ball down low when things get crazy, you know, make them adjust a little bit and get some other guys' shots. And and I thought our younger nucleus guys really stepped up. And, and you know, the moment wasn't too big for our guys, which I thought was great. And, you know, we kept saying to them, just, hey, let's get – you know, win one possession at a time. You know, don't worry about the result. Win one possession at a time and enjoy the moment. You know, just just have fun. Like, let's let's not be so serious. And, you know, I thought my first year um, when I coached in the conference championship when we hosted Lycoming, I thought it was so serious and we were so tense where it's just like, you know, let's, let's try and have fun with it. And, you know, you know, something you're going to remember the rest of your life. So talk to me about this team. Uh, you've got four guys in double figures. Um, and that seems to be the core, almost 19 points a game from Jalen Watkins. He also averages a double-double, 11.5 points, or 11.5 rebounds per contest, sorry. Nearly 14 points from Nas Johnson and Justin Money. Uh, Money, Of course, Johnson is the one you mentioned, missed a little bit of time. Uh, and 10.5 from Dom Vasquez. Those four certainly are the, the kind of bread and butter of this team. Uh, they all find ways to contribute, whether they're all handing out assists as Vasquez is the leader there, but they all hand out a good chunk or they're rebounding or they're getting steals or blocks. Watkins has quite a few this season, averaging about uh, one and a half, two per contest. What? Tell me about this group. Yeah, I mean, I you know I keep saying this to them as well. Like, and I don't mean this any disrespect to any you know team that I've been a part of before. You know, this this is the most fun I've ever had coaching. Um, they let they let us coach them. They they love each other. They battle for each other. Um, you know, no one is above anybody else, and they just want to win and they want to sacrifice, and, and that's really been the big change of our season. Um, you know, Jalen Watkins, I, I can't speak enough about him. Um, he's been unbelievable. 
how much growth he's made, not only as a basketball player, as a person in four years. Um, he, he's been terrific for us. And Justin Money um, is, is doing more of the little things and, and you know, things he needs to do. Everyone know he could knew he could score and guard the ball, but he's doing everything else. And and they're just they're being great leaders. You know, I can't speak enough about them. And then our other senior who does not play, Sean Raftery, off the court, does so much for us. Um, you know, and then we have two tough Catholic League Philly guards, and Nas Johnson and, and Don Vasquez. Um, you know, love recruiting the city of Philadelphia. We always will. Um, they're just they're winners. Um, they just compete at a high level. Um, Nas was terrific yesterday. Uh, he can score. He guards. He, you know, he he's just I can't say enough about him. He he was the best guard on the floor yesterday, in my opinion. And I thought it was a huge difference in the game for us. This is the first Mac Freedom title, second Mac Conference title of any kind, obviously coming from the other side. It's not a lot of hardware in the uh, in the bookcase, as it were, uh, to show off. What does that mean to the program to get that title, get the chance to now play next week, no matter where, and and bring a bit of spotlight to the program, even if you were, what, 15 and 11? No, it's it's great. You know, this is what it's about, right? You know, when I first got hired, you know, I was lucky to take over after Justin Scott, who did who did an unbelievable job in his yeah. last year. He took them to the NCAA tournament. You know, I said, you know, I, we want to make this a national program, and I think the way to do that is you need to make the NCAA tournament year after year, and then eventually make some noise. So, you know, this is part of the process, and you know, talking about our record, it never goes the way you think it is or you want it to, and and that's just that's gets back to just staying with it and, and just you know day by day, but. um yeah, I mean, it's a great opportunity for Arcadia men's basketball to showcase the type of student athletes we have. You know, we have a lot of local guys in the Mid-Atlantic region and, and show what we're capable of. And, you know, you know, obviously in this situation, you know, we're just we're happy to be in. But, you know, we want to show what we can do and we know we're going to be on the road. So um, it's going to be an awesome, awesome atmosphere. You know, I was fortunate enough to play in the tournament, coach in the tournament before as assistant coach. And, you know, I think it's really an awesome experience. You know, the NCAA does a great job. Um, and I hope our guys I'm just happy they get to enjoy it. And, you know, something they'll always remember. How do you approach it? You say enjoy it and certainly um, and have fun with it, as it were. But how much do you also want to put the 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 screws in to say hey we we are competing we are going to have a tough opponent most likely mm-hmm. and maybe it's on on their floor who knows but we want to compete how do you balance enjoying this with trying to also go out there and do what you just did in the conference tournament too well, that's a great question I, you know i think it's always tough you know i think it's a, it's a really a, a feel out thing with the the type of student athlete you have and the guys in the locker room right i know our guys um we can say we're happy to be there they want to win they want to win everything they, they do they, they're competitors um so I, i'm not too concerned about that um i do think it'll be a little new to them so i'm a little worried about that you know how we start i think it'd be, it'd be important but you know they're going to want to compete um our, our student athletes are you know they're warriors. They they love to they love to play and they just want to have fun. So I think the balance. I think they'll take care of that on their own. Do you even talk to your brother? Do you, did you even broach this topic? Uh, they missed out on getting out of the conference with the AQ. They aren't going to get the chance that you're getting. How do you approach that with your bro? Well, let's start with this. I mean, I don't. We got to talk to both conferences. We played at four o'clock. They played at four o'clock. Put my dad in a really tough situation. Oh yeah. Um, Good point. You know so. He uh, he went to their game on Friday and then he came to our game yesterday. And, you know, during the second half when, you know, it was like five minutes left, I thought we were in pretty good shape. I actually, you know, was looking up at him. I was like, hey, what's don't give me the score. So I was trying to figure out how they were doing. Um, you know, he did an unbelievable job in his first year, set program records for him. I know he's going to, you know, build that thing into something special. So, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm going to say something to him. You know, he beat us when we played earlier in the season. Yeah. So I think that's only fair. Um, but no, he, he was over last night with some family and friends and, um, 
yeah, I know he was a little down, but you know, he'll in a couple of days, you know, he'll be he'll be good. They had a great year. So no, they um, did. They did. It was great to have both of you on. I, I know he got the uh, better end of that one, but it looks like you got the better end of the end of the season. Well, hey, Adam, really appreciate the time you, you took to join us. Uh, appreciate uh, everything you guys have been able to accomplish. So congratulations and enjoy it. And I know you'll enjoy the name being announced on Monday. As you know, though, as always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, thanks, Dave, for having me. Um, and, you know, as always, you do a great job. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Enjoy the week. And we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Adam Van Zels joining us here on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Thanks very much to Coach Van Zelst for joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by Huddle. Great conversation with him. Congratulations to the Knights on making the NCAA tournament. When we come back, we get back to the mock rankings. We've made a handful of picks. We'll get you what our decisions were there and move along in the process. Still to come, though, we'll talk to co-men's basketball and North Carolina Wesleyan. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios, thanks to our partners and Support Tours International and very kind donations from many of you. We'll update the tote board. You might notice we have crossed over 6,500. Thanks to the donations out there, we have a little bit more to add, and we'll see what our latest total is when we come back as well. Comprehensive learning is being able to adapt to experiences and apply the things that I learned. Being an athlete and juggling academics helped me grow as a person and things that I've learned, I was able to apply it in another field, putting them into everyday life. Developing comprehensive learning helped me prioritize certain things to make sure I get to where I want to be. Coach of the Year. Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. I believe sportsmanship is a it's a mutual admiration and respect for your fellow competitors. We all go through a lot to reach the point where we compete against one another. It's important to realize that. So once we're finally on the field or on the court or on the starting block, we look at each other as fellow human beings and not just competitors. Being able to recognize the hard work that other athletes are putting in creates a more positive and inclusive environment. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Got to unmute myself. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue to roll along a little later than we planned, but we're going to keep the things going. We're on the Mock Selection Show. Tote Board's been updated over 6,700 now. Thank you very much to all you. We're closing in on our ultimate goal of 10,000, but uh, we're not there yet. Hopefully, you'll uh, consider helping us out. We're going to continue going along on our men's selections, and we will pivot, as it were, over to our guys. Uh, yep, we're all set up and good to go. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by Huddle, it's once again um, Matt Snyder, Ryan Scott, Bob Quillman, and Drew Pasteur. And where we left off, we were at pick number 10. We had selected St. Joseph's of Connecticut, Middlebury, Oshkosh, Wheaton of Illinois, Stockton, WashU, John Carroll, Johns Hopkins, Williams, and Tufts. We have done some work in the meantime, and let's talk about where we went from here, gents. Okay, so we, we got done with those 10, which were easy. We felt like <laughs> the, the easy ones, no problem. Now, before I move forward, we, we did make five picks, but it was at number 11 that Ryan Scott started to talk yep. about Rochester. And yeah. he continued. Yes. And the, the fact that he's on the call still is ridiculous. The, the whole, I think... <laughs> I think the rest of the panel is way more interested in talking about Rochester than, than our host, Dave McHugh, but we weren't willing to do it here at spot 11, 12. But this is, Ryan has been on us the whole time we've been on break. I just wanted to can, let everyone I, know. Should I make the case now or we wait a little bit? Stop. Just, just hang tight. You, you got you got vetoed on Rochester and they're 640, but folks, we're, this is gonna come to a head. Stay tuned on Hoopsville, this is gonna get good. So we picked at 11, Mary Washington. We felt like um, they had a really solid overall resume. The winning percentage is low at 704, relatively speaking, but 578. And that three and six includes a win over the number one team in this whole process, which is Randolph-Macon. They have a win over Hampton-Sydney. Uh, really impressive schedule played by Mary Washington. So we, we felt they were a very easy and kind of safe pick here. We had a lot of debate. Um, our next pick then, um, in that region, region six, when Mary Washington got picked, Hampton Sydney hit the board. And after a lot of debate, we started to compare similar resumes on the board. You start to get to a point where there's some low SOSs that we, we, we kind of steered away from, except Ryan, who continued to batter us about Rochester. Here at round 12, we were getting battered about Rochester. The rest of us said, pump the brakes. We picked Hampton Sydney here. Uh, we picked Hampton Sydney. It's just a strong overall resume. 778, 567, 3 and 4. Hampton Sydney has a win over, remind me, someone help me out. Is it, do they beat CNU? Who? Hampton Sydney. Did they beat? Yeah, they beat uh, Christopher Newport and Guilford and Alvernia. They're three regionally ranked wins. The, the big one that, that we're kind of hanging the hat on there is the Christopher Newport win was the kind that kind of breaks a tie at this point. It's a great resume. It didn't need much help. But then when you say one of those those wins was was Christopher Newport, 
um, we put Hampton Sydney into the number 12 spot. We, we looked at the board at that point and in that region, Emory hits the board. And we had a lot of conversation about Emory. It seemed like the rest of us maybe had a mental block about 640 that we didn't have about 680, but we still weren't quite willing to go there yet, not quite yet with Emory. And we debated Montclair State, a lot of conversation, and we debated St. Thomas. And we ended up making a decision that the overall resume was better with St. Thomas of Texas. So we put them on the board and they have an 875, 560. Our one challenge with St. Thomas, there isn't a hang your hat on win there. There's not a win over a top two in a region. Um, there's not a win over a top 16 in the process, but 875, 563 and one, when you look at that across the board, that's a really strong resume. So we picked St. Thomas. Um, in that region, Mary Harden Baylor came to the table and uh, had a lot of good conversation. Uh, Montclair State continued to be front and center in our debates at this point. We were a lot of Montclair State versus Mary Harden Baylor, but this is where we zoomed in on Emory. And uh, we looked at that 615 and then the, the six and seven. And uh, remind me guys, Emory's best wins include- Oh yeah, they've got a win over Case. Who's in a, Rochester twice. And we think Case is a number one ranked regional team in Region 7. Um, they were last week. I can't confirm that Case stayed number one. It, they didn't lose. You can make a case for Mount Union. But either way, Emory has a lot of great wins. And we were willing to go to 680. And we thought overall the totality of the resume. We've heard the committee say over and over, the totality of the resume, we thought that was Emory. And so Dave, we put Emory on the board and we made one final pick while we were gone there. Um, a lot of Montclair debate versus Mary Harden Baylor. We're trying to compare Montclair to Mary Harden Baylor. I'm also gonna say this, people are asking why not WPI? Here's our issue. 846, 530, 530 is a little bit low. When you look at their RRO wins, the three and four, there, there just isn't a lot there that jumps out. Um, remind me guys, WPI, those three wins, those are against who? Babson, Babson twice. Babson twice and then Emerson. And where's Babson regionally ranked? Four, we think well, four. We're not sure, they probably jumped up a little bit because they won the AQ. But not, but it, it's not their fourth, no, maybe in one of the weaker regions. Yeah. There's no top three regionally ranked win. So WPI, we have right now, we're, we're waiting to another round to where they look attractive, but they haven't been yet. Ryan has been hammering us on Rochester still. The rest of us have said, not yet, not yet. And we um, debated Montclair versus Mary Harden Baylor. And we felt that we, we went to the secondary criteria for the first time. And we looked at non-conference SOS and Mary Harden Baylor went out and played an amazing schedule. If you recall, the season started with them in California playing CMS, Redlands, Pomona Pitzer. They made another trip, bad break, and that Whitworth didn't end up being as great, although they, they're the AQ. Um, they played a great schedule. 
and their non-conference SOS is 654 and Montclair's is 551, which isn't great at all. So we used non-conference SOS to break a tie and we picked Mary Harden Baylor and Dave, that's where we're sitting. And what I'm gonna promise you is, although you hate it, Rochester is gonna start to be a serious conversation. I'm just that's, gonna that's mute, getting up to I'm just gonna mute Ryan every time he brings it up for the rest of the way and uh, make him struggle about it. Listen, I, I'm just gonna get this out of the way now because I know it's gonna come up. First off, I have an issue with a winning percentage. At one time we had issues with winning percentages below 700. Then it moved to 667, and then Oshkosh broke the mold with their 630 winning percentage. So I have an issue with 640, and that's why, I, listen, nothing against Luke Fulkertzi, who's probably next year's chair. Um, I, I, at some point, you got to win your schedule, even if, in, if you schedule the toughest schedule in the country. And so that's why I have issues with even considering Rochester too heavily. I get that they have a lot of part of their resume there, but at some point, you got to win more games in my opinion you can't win just um barely above a you know six out of ten it just it feels odd but i i agree especially with the oshkosh breaking the mold that one time that they're gonna be in this conversation i'm i'm there's nothing about me that says otherwise so i just i'm so still do gonna, I, do I I'm still gonna mute no nope. hold on hold on oh he's been right. muted that is awkward start. That is awkward. He's been <laughs> muted. Oh, that's too bad. See, he's been muted. It's just, oh, poor Ryan. He's going to have to unmute himself. <laughs> you can't Can unmute yourself. I have to unmute myself. Yeah, but I, I can. going to wait for you to let me back in. But... Ryan, make the case. Okay. So first, we can yeah. all see 10 regionally ranked wins. That's more than any team in the country. It's like a lot. Um, one of those is over Case, which is a number one in a region, which we've talked about as being a really big deal. A number of the other ones are pretty good. Middlebury, um, you know, a, a one or a two, depending on how that region worked out. Um, that 629 SOS, we put this in, in perspective. That is 0.04 ahead of Oshkosh who, or Middlebury, who's, who's one, you know, they were the shoe-in, first candidates in. 0.04 is a huge differential. I mean, that SOS is, is even better than the astronomical ones that are going in first on our board. And and 640 is not good, but it's still winning a lot of games. And what we've seen throughout this regional ranking process is that they're they're willing to let a, a slightly no, lower number in this year. Um, I think that fact that Emory stayed ahead of Guilford all through this whole process is evidence of that. Um, and I just, I think Rochester has all the numbers to get in. Whether, you know, if I was doing an eye test, do I let them in right now, given what they've done? I think that's more of a question. But with the numbers and the criteria that we have, mm -hmm. they need to be considered. It's still about the totality of the resume. That's the, I think the, the middle ground on this thing where I, I could see Dave's side and Ryan's side is it's, we can't rule them out because every round we get to look at the totality of the resumes. And the group consensus was that the totality did not favor Rochester yet. But I'll bet you, as we get deeper here, you know, we have what, five picks left? Mm -hmm. The totality of their resume is going to become more and more competitive. Whether it's round 16 or 18, we're gonna have to talk about them, but doesn't mean we're automatically gonna take them but I don't think we can just say no because of the 640. And I was on the train a week ago 
on Hoopsville, I said, no way a 640 should get in. I said that over and over again. But here they are on the board, and you're like, okay. So we got to look at the big picture, I guess. I agree with you. So then, Matt, Drew, Drew, who do we compare him to? Boy, it's tough to say. You know, at this point, when you look at that number in the mid-sixes for a winning percentage, I'll say this. If there was ever a team that was going to be taken with that kind of number, this 2023 Rochester team would be it. The SOS is just astronomically high. The number of quality wins that they have is incredible. You, this is not a resume that you see every year of that SOS and and those RROs. Um, and it's going to be apples and oranges, right? If you put them against somebody like Montclair State, uh, that's just a really different type of resume overall. Maybe that's the the next one I'd be thinking about along with it. You know what, the one thing I'll add on this, this is a non-criteria comment, but just, I get where people's head is. It's, I watched Rochester's two last games and like win a home game, win a home game. They lost at home to NYU and they lost at home to to Emory. And they knew they had to win one of those and they lost. Now, nothing I'm saying is part of the criteria. There's not a subsection that says win your final two home games. But I think the struggle that the optics of this are like, gosh, they had, it was set up for them to close the deal and they didn't do it, but this is their resume and this is what we have to work with. And to that, I guess it gets to a point of, uh, there are different ways to think about this. Are we looking for the best teams or the most deserving teams? Maybe the answer is neither. We're looking for the ones that best fulfill the NCAA criteria, but uh, there, there certainly are different philosophies in terms of collecting teams for any type of competition. Dave, do you want us to make a pick on the fly, or are we taking a break and making picks? Or you tell us what you want to well, do. Well, we can do a pick on the fly here. Um, if we have, if we think we've got a concession, then we've got two more interviews. Obviously, we can still run here, so we could do one at least, having talked through the the, the process to everybody to explain where it is. Um, I, I think again, my problem with Rochester is the simple fact that. Um, I think one thing we got to consider is yes, they've got the wins, but they've also got losses. In you know, you talk about okay, they got a win over Case. Yeah, they also have a loss to Case. So the part of that resume needs to be maybe revealed a little bit more. And I think that's you know, if they swept Case, oh, I think we have a different conversation here. But then again, they also wouldn't be six forty. Yeah, that's they, the losses are reflected in the 640 and the reason why we're not picking them so far, right? Is that that's so that's the I, I guess my question is if if they were 658, would we be putting them in with if they were six? Like, is it one game difference? I think it's is all game. that is all it that's could be, here at this but point? I mean, this is where I have a problem with that Oshkosh became the outlier and where I have a problem where. You know, and I'm taking a, a random number of 667 being being anything below that's okay, because there's a couple of factors here. I think it sends a, a tough message to those who have no capabilities of ever having a 629 SOS that they have no chance of making this tournament. It's the, well, there there there's a how about Barry? It's the compare Barry's resume now, to Rochester. Well, Barry, listen. Barry had a chance to improve that number. You know, they played Huntington twice. 
They played no, a couple they, teams with two or three wins on their entire season that were not also, conference opponents. They also won. They also won at Emory and at Marybone. I don't disagree. I mean, and listen, we had this conversation with Lancaster Bible when they were going to lose in 2016 potentially in the conference tournament and be left out. I don't like that. I think there should be a bell curve. I'm and I'm agreeing with you. I'm just yeah. I'm saying like no, the, the two polar extremes. You're absolutely right. Rochester versus Barry. My only argument and, on Barry yeah. is they had four or five, maybe six conference game, non-conference games that they could have done something better with than just one Emory, one Harden, uh, Hampton, Sydney type game that is absolutely killing them. Rochester, for the most part, yes, went out there and scheduled well, and the UAA is helping a ton this year. I mean, it's doing a ha- lot of heavy lifting. I just worry that you reward a team that didn't win a good chunk of those games. You know, well, Barry lost what? Two, three. Rochester lost a lot more than that. I just think at some point you got to win more. That's all. So are we putting Montclair up against yeah, them? Are we, yeah, are that, we doing we, this debate? I, I would. I would oh. say this is I'm not willing to put Rochester. In, I'm still in the Montclair is our top. Um, Worcester. We've talked about. There is the RRO the there there's not a top two regional oh wow win there for Worcester I'm I'm big on Montclair here 815 535 the five includes a win over number one region four Rowan is it yeah region so, four yeah before yeah, we Pomona. go on can, can Matt can you let me know what the Pomona RRO wins are yeah, they've got I, a similar SOS they're at the to Montclair and a, and a better winning percentage so and they won at Wash U Oh, that's yeah. a great, great call. Wash U, Claremont twice, and Redlands. The Wash U one would so be So they've a got a Wash U win, one. which may be not quite as impressive as Rowan, so maybe Montclair is still the... I think Montclair's resume is better than Pomona Pitzer's. But Pomona's going to be in the conversation. But barely, Rome. right? I mean... It's very close. This one is super, super close. I do so think because of the well, win over Rowan. We got and Matt to weigh in. I'm still voting Rochester. Where are you guys? My vote would be Montclair. Drew, Matt, where are you guys? Yeah, I, I wanted to bring up Pomona as well, but I can see uh, taking either Pomona or Montclair at this point. That Rowan win is a nice one. Um, Pomona won a little higher percentage of those games, but some of those are not at the same level as uh, having to play Rowan and Stockton. So I can live with uh, Montclair. Yeah, I'm fine with Montclair. Yeah. Matt, where are you on these two? They're very close. If we're valuing like a high quality, regionally ranked win, like we think the committee might, I think the number one Rowan win is going to stand out drastically here. So I, I would think the committee might be more inclined to go Montclair State. I think Montclair. We got a we got a winner. <laughs> so Montclair is our pick at number sixteen. Probably a good time to take another break. Uh, we got more interviews, so we can have chats. We don't need to bore people with the same conversation constantly over. And I think 17 and 18 are going to be fascinating as we get closer to 20. And remember, Sarah's, Sarah's put out there that she doesn't think we can do this. She thinks it's too difficult. And I think it's because of Rochester. I'll be honest. I think it's because of that dynamic that either she doesn't know where her committee was sitting when she said that, or she just doesn't know how we're going to read between the lines on that. Um, at least that's how my read was on it. But... 
There you go. Those are our picks so far. We'll take another break when we come back. We will hear from Coe's men's basketball coach. How about Cohawks making the NCAA tournament? Part of that carnage that gives us this conversation. Back with more after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Passion's love. Passion is love for what you do. Because I think when you face challenges, it comes down to how much you want it and how much you love it. Passion is what keeps you going forward. Seeing so many people that were like-minded and so hardworking in their sport and academics, being surrounded by like-minded people makes you want to be more passionate. I think it pushes you to a, a different level that maybe you didn't think you had. And you can do the best of both worlds and love all of it. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Selection Sundays. We continue to do the work on the men's side. Remember, women, we're already done with all of our selections. You can go to d3hoops.com to see what they were, and you can find out how we even bracketed, not we, Pat and Ryan, bracketed those teams that we selected. We're in the middle of our men's, actually past middle on our men's selections. We've gotten through 16 selections. We have four more to go. We're talking about them behind the scenes. But we had another great conversation in men's basketball action with a team that has not been in the NCAA tournament since I was born. 1976, last time we saw the Cohawks men's basketball squad in the tournament. And Brian Martin got them there. 
as they are winners of an absolutely crazy America Rivers American Rivers uh, Conference Championship tournament. We talked to him earlier today about how they pulled it off. Joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline is Brian Martin, the head coach of the Cohawks, as they are NCAA tournament bound. Coach, uh, let's be honest, you're probably playing just to get into the tournament at the end of the regular season. I'm talking about the conference tournament. Just to get a few, at least one more game under your belts, did you guys have any thoughts that, you know what, we we can go win this conference title? Actually, yes. Uh, I know that sounds crazy, but that was kind of uh, one of the driving forces for us, I think, uh, kind of through a tough – we had a five-game skid there uh, yeah. late in the year. Um, and, you know, but we were playing pretty good basketball, just kind of struggling to make some shots. We lost on two buzzer beaters, and, you know, uh, things just weren't quite going our way for a stretch there. But um, we we kept t- talking to the guys really the whole year. That's been our thing is, like – you know, uh, we want to be playing our best when it matters most. And our league is so balanced. We just got to get in the darn tournament. And um, just it just worked out amazingly for us. We we won our last two regular season games. Um, Timing is everything. We beat Nebraska Wesleyan at home on senior day. And, um, you know, I think that game was pivotal because we have to turn around and go play them on the road. If you lose at home to them, it's going to be a pretty tough trip to go down there and beat them at their place. But our guys were confident. And, you know, at that point, we were kind of telling our guys, guys, we're playing with house money here. You know, nobody expected us a couple of weeks ago to even get in the tournament. And um, but it's, it's just been a, a roller coaster of a season. I mean, we've we've had really good stretches. We're young, you know, so we, it was kind of a struggle at the beginning. We got hot. Um, you know, we had a chance to beat Johns Hopkins down in Nashville at the Christmas tournament. And. Um, you know, so our guys knew we were capable and, you know, just timing was everything. We got hot at the right time. Yeah. I was going to say, this is an interesting start. You start the season two and two, and you technically ended up starting at four and two with some wins over Luther and Edgewood to extend that out. Then you hit your first slide as conference started against Laura Simpson and central. And they all said, well, thank you for starting your season. Uh, here's a loss. Oh, and three to start that campaign. Then you turn around and won three straight and you're right. You took Hopkins to the wire. You got a 78, 77 win in Nashville. That's got to breed or loss to them. That's got to breed some kind of momentum because you come out of there winning four of the next five in conference play, including Dubuque. Uh, you got a, a a tight game with Nebraska Wesley and you beat Simpson. Everything's looking good. And then you hit that five game slide. And it's like, that's the kind of thing that can absolutely derail the season. Luther, Central, Loris, Buena Vista, Dubuque gets you back. Absolutely could unroll, but you've now won five straight. How do you... You talk about the team being young, but that five-game losing streak in particular, how do you kind of get the guys refocused? Not only was that win against Nebraska Wesleyan key, but so was the win against Wartburg right before that. Yeah, no question. I mean, we don't win that one. We probably don't beat Wesleyan. And, you know, um, yeah, uh, to answer your question, I mean, all the credit goes to the to the kids. And um, we've only got two seniors on this team, uh, Greg Hall, who starts for us, and another young man, Boston Ferry, who's been injured all year. But – their leadership and and then our uh, you know our junior class is strong led by Kale Schmidt who you know I'm biased but I think he's one of the best point guards in the country those guys just they refused to let our locker room uh, you know go the go the wrong direction uh, during that that five game skid and um, you know it, it's funny but like I think I don't think we're we where we're at today had we not gone through that you know it's kind of like um, 
you know, you lose one, okay, you lose a couple, you lose three, and now you got all this pressure on yourself just to get back in the win column. And so we kind of felt like we've been playing in tournament mode for, you know, two and a half, three weeks. And then we get to this point, and like I said, you know, the message was kind of guys were playing with house money. All these guys, this is the first time they're in this position where it's win or go home. And we've kind of been in this mode for a couple of weeks. And so, um, again, the credit goes to the guys. Um, the the real test was that fifth loss in a row was at home to Dubuque. Uh, we trailed the whole game, stayed in it, um, took our first lead with under a minute to go. Um, Kale Schmidt hits two free throws to put us up one. And uh, Dubuque's point guard, Sam Kilberg, hits a 30-foot fadeaway three at the buzzer to beat us. So that's our fifth straight loss. And, you know, there's not much you can say to to cheer up the guys after that one, especially yeah. when it's fifth in a row. But, um, again, to their credit, they they just kept believing. And they knew it was just like we, we just got to get over the hump and, and get a win and get it going in the other direction. And that's exactly what happened. Um, we got a huge win in dramatic fashion at Warburg, and that kind of started uh, the good streak for us. Tell me a little bit more about these guys. You got uh, uh, Schmidt, who's leading the team at, uh, at a little over 18 points a game, three and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, and about two plus, somewhat around two steals per game. You also have TJ uh, Schnoor. He's got 17 a game, six and a half rebounds to lead all, everybody in that category. He's one of your top shot blockers. Uh, Greg Hall, another one in double figures at 10 plus points per game. He contributes in other factors. Obviously, those three jump out on the page because when you look at stats, they're the top ones on the page. But what are those three doing and, and how is it all working with the rest of the group? Because you play quite a lot of players. Yeah, we we, we like to play a lot of guys and uh, we feel our depth is a strength of ours. But definitely starts with, you know, our two all-conference players. Uh, I assume we'll be a first-team all-conference guys and Kale Schmidt and, and TJ Schnurr. Um, you know, they've just been tremendous all year. I mean, uh, like you said, Kale's averaging a little over 18. I think TJ is right around 17 now. Um, those guys have just showed up every night, you know, and it just it continues to amaze me because, um, you know, when you get in a league play, everybody knows if you can limit those guys, you're going to probably beat us. And they just continue to step up. And last night was another great example of that. But Greg's been a just a steady hand too as a senior, averaging about 10 a game. And then the other contributions for us um, to keep us balanced offensively have, have come from a lot of different guys, like you said. And um, you know, and that's kind of one of our, I think, our biggest strengths and, and something we really shoot for is to have a balanced offensive attack. And um, but you know, uh, I don't know if you saw the stat line last night against Loris, but TJ Schnur was incredible. 14 yeah. of 15 from the field. He's scoring from all over the court. Um, you know, this is my 11th year here at Co. I don't know if I've seen a more incredible individual performance than he put on on such a big, big stage as last night. So, um, those guys have really been, you know, the leaders for us, but, um, we've been getting a lot of, a lot of positive contributions from up and down the roster all year. Yeah. He had 36 points for a career high with eight boards and three assists, along with some huge moments from Schmidt, uh, and some others to, to help you guys. What's crazy was the ARC tournament was absolutely bonkers because it ended up being four V six for the, for the conference title game. First, uh, six seed to win the conference title since 2017. But more importantly, this is the first time you guys are heading back to the NCAA tournament since 1976. I will not date myself, but I may have been alive when that happened, but barely. 
What's that mean to this program? What does it mean to the school to get that kind of opportunity, not only to bring home the hardware in the conference, but to know your name's going to be on, you know, the billboard Monday, as it were, and it's you're going to be playing a game next weekend. I don't know if I can put in the words, Dave. It's uh, it's it's thrilling. It's exciting. It's special. Um, all that stuff. And um, you know, we've had a lot of good teams. I, I've had three teams that have finished second and just been knocking on the door. And um, you know, Pat Yuckum is the guy I took over for when I got hired at Co. He had a couple championship teams and just they didn't happen to win the conference tournament. So there's been yeah. a few cases like that. And um, '76 was the year I was born, and and back then Co. had a, a remarkable. Uh, run of teams but I think that was prior to the actual start of what is now d3 if I'm not mistaken so partly yeah um, you know they were they were d2 or small college whatever you want to call it and um, but they had some remarkable teams that that made some tournament runs but but yeah it's it's been a long time coming um you know I, I'm just I'm thrilled for our players and our coaches obviously but really happy for our college and our in our campus community um you know, and, and to do it in the fashion we did, going on the road three times when, you know, as a sixth seed. And, but I think if you'd ask any coach in our league, um, you know, are you, are you shocked that Coe won the tournament? You know, I, I don't think anybody would say yes. I mean, that's our league was just um, yeah so balanced this year. You know, we beat a couple of the top teams. We lost to teams that were at the bottom and, and everybody just kind of beat each other up. Um, you know, and so we, like I said, it was just a, uh, the Cinderella story, we got hot at the right time. And, and uh, you know, again, credit to our guys for having the toughness it takes to to get it done three times in a week on the road is, is pretty phenomenal. But, um, you know, back to your point, it's it's just special to be able to represent our league and and uh, get Co College back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in whatever that is, 47 years or whatever. And um, to win our first school uh, conference tournament, um, you know, is is just awesome. So we're very excited. Yeah, it's definitely 47. You and I should know that number pretty well, uh, <laughs> considering. Yeah, top six, all within six games of one another. It was definitely tight. It was literally a game-to-game-to-game uh, scenario for the most part. Um, so pretty impressive that you guys were able to pull off the victories against some tough teams, all of them on the road, which you will do next weekend most likely. I can't imagine otherwise. But I know it doesn't matter to you guys. You're just getting a chance to play yeah. in March. Send us anywhere. We're just excited to keep hooping. So. Yeah, I hear that, and I can appreciate it, to say the least. Uh, Brian, so thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Congratulations to the team. Uh, tremendous opportunity, and we'll look forward to seeing where they get placed officially on Monday. In the meantime, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Uh, I just appreciate all the support from Cohawk Nation and our administration. And, again, I'm – so happy for our guys, and and uh, it was a great day for Co-op Nation. And Dave, thank you for having me on and for everything you do for D3 Hoops. We, uh, we certainly appreciate you, man. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for coming on, too, at short notice. Uh, enjoy the heck out of it. We'll talk soon. We will. Thank you. Here's Brian Martin joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Great conversation there with Co, Co's, Co, Co, Co's Coach. Co's Coach. That's it. Co-Hawks. Congratulations. Absolutely astounding. But it's wins like those that are putting us in this craziness. There are going to be great teams left out of the NCAA tournament because there were so many bubbles burst with so many crazy results in the conference tournaments. When we, We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll go back to our mock committee, see where we are, and see what we still have left to do. And we still have to hear from North Carolina Wesleyan's head coach, John Thompson. You're listening to Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com. Tote board. Love to see it go a little bit higher. Don't forget to donate as well. These are your teams. 
Your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Selection Sunday Special. As we roll along, a reminder, the men's bracket will be released at 1 o'clock Eastern time. We'll have it all at d3hoops.com. Women's bracket at 2.30 Eastern time. And as I look at the clock, I realize we better get a hustle on because i got a lot of work to do ahead of tomorrow's bracket shows. Uh, Brendan Gulick will be in Indy, and I will be here at the Hoopsville Studios to present that. Uh, looking forward to all of that work coming up tomorrow. Of course, we'll have the bracket show at 7 o'clock Eastern time as well. Um, all right, we're going to return to our panel of experts, as it were. Um, I think that's what we call ourselves. ourselves. Is joining us back on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline, Ryan Scott, Matt Snyder, Bob Quillman, Drew Pastor, and myself. And we are looking at uh, our selections. We left off with Montclair State on the board as our number 16 pick. And uh, we have 
a couple more that we have chosen and some fun conversations. Who wants to yeah, do our we, recap? We, we picked Montclair in large part, just a good resume all across and then kind of a kicker with a win over a regionally ranked number one in Rowan. So we picked Montclair before the break. We made two selections since. Once when we picked Montclair, NYU hit the board. And we discussed many of these teams, again, including Rochester, who can, the, the, the heat continues to amplify in Rochester. The, 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 the whole group still said no on Rochester. Ryan Scott wanted Rochester here. I think the group said, we're not ready. And we started looking at NYU very heavily, 725, 84 and six. Um, someone helped me out. The NYU wins. I know that at home at the end of the season, they beat Wash U. That was a huge win. Um, they beat Rochester at Rochester. What other standouts there do we have for NYU guys? They beat Emory once. Yeah. And Carnegie Mellon, who had been ranked. So what the Wash U one on is probably your nationally best one there. Um, we, we picked NYU here. We, we picked the 725, 84, and 6 on the board. So it was two quickies from Region 4, and then DeSales hit the board. Lots of great debate at this point. So we, we started talking a lot about, um, remind me, guys, it was, first of all, we, kept, we came back to WPI, and every time we come to WPI, we struggle with the, the blahness of the, the RRO wins. They're... There isn't anything that in this process stands out. And so we, we kind of eliminated WPI in this round. Rochester, um, we, still, we still weren't as a group. We didn't have consensus on Rochester here. Um, we started talking about that, like that Guilford, how does Guilford compare to Pomona Pitzer? And we said Pomona Pitzer we like. Pomona Pitzer won at WashU, which was really a standout win for us. And then we said, how does Pitzer compare to lacrosse? We looked across the board, who did lacrosse beat? And we said, we like Pitzer. How does Pomona Pitzer compare to Worcester? Same thing, we like Pomona Pitzer. We went through our process, totality of the resumes and we picked Pomona Pitzer in this round, which then brings Claremont Mud Scripts to the board with two picks. And, and Dave, uh, it's, I'm telling you this, it's heating up seriously heating up right now so we got colby in region one out of the nescac in region two wpi out of the new mac region three is rochester out of the uaa region four is the sales out of the mac freedom muhlenberg out of region five out of the centennial conference guilford out of region six in the odak region seven has worcester out of the ncac elmer is coming out of region eight from cciw region nine is uw lacrosse out of the wyack and claremont mud scripts as we just mentioned, coming out of the Skyac in Region 10. Um, just a note here, um, already from a bracketing perspective, there's some hurdles <laughs> they're, they're going to have to deal with, which will be fascinating to see if this list holds up. Um, I'm wondering, kind of reverse psychology, anybody we can eliminate from consideration for sure due to their We just had that conversation, Dave, and I'll ask everyone else to chime in here. The one that I believe we just had consensus on was Elmhurst. And let me be careful with how we say this. At 643, the difference between Elmhurst and Rochester is for us to talk about you at 640 something, you have to have 
the world's greatest SOS of all time and the craziest number of RROs ever. And Rochester does and Elmhurst doesn't. So when we look at Elmhurst's resume, at this point in rounds, what are we at, 19, we eliminated Elmhurst from, from consideration at this, at this moment, whereas Rochester is very much in the conversation. Any want to, am I saying that correct, guys? Any yeah. So I, I think that's generally true. And I do just want to point out the committee is sending a little bit. They've got Elmer sitting here in the regional rankings ahead of Carthage, who has a 667 winning percentage. Um, you know, they're, they're not just drawing a hard and fast line. So obviously Rochester has much better criteria everywhere else. And so it makes sense, you know, Elmer's is well below them. And I think it's okay to eliminate them, but we are, we are getting messages from this committee that they're, they're willing to consider some winning percentages that maybe they haven't been willing to in the past. That's a big theme for us in these during break conversations is like, all, all we can do is try to assess how this committee has handled regional rankings and the top 16 reveal. And the learnings it seems to be that the, this committee is definitely willing to look at a lower winning percentage with great SOS, tons of RROs, but importantly, like standout. I go back to the top 16 reveal. I thought St. Thomas, Texas was like a no brainer for that thing. Maybe at like number 13. And if you recall, they didn't make it. If we go back to region seven last week, Carnegie Mellon got ranked at 625 when you could easily put Wabash, Heidelberg, Heidelberg. Calvin, there were, there were options there. I'm not saying any of these decisions were wrong, by the way. What I'm saying is we're trying to figure out what this committee is 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 going to do and and we believe that they're they're willing to look at a lower winning percentage if the totality of the resume is all there rochester is a unicorn to say the least hey the other point here is this is where we're kind of playing a game with our arms tied behind our back because right. We had to guess the final regional rankings. And I don't know if the, is the screen sharing, if we put Rochester on the board just for fun, could we show everyone what resume comes up right behind? Or can we just put that resume on there? I don't know how, how it works with the system. Can we put the resume behind Rochester on the board instead? Uh, yes. Yeah, I could do that. So I, I mean. Because I don't want to confuse anybody that we selected, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I'm not saying that Utica is a no-brainer here. There's no. a lot to talk about with Utica, but my point here is that like, I believe that Rochester was the highest ranked pool C in region three, but I can't confirm that. So if it was different and Utica has been sitting on the board the whole time, this is, this is where this, what we're trying to do is very difficult, but I, I still think we had the order right. But Utica has got a really strong pool C resume. What's interesting too is, how much did the loss to Rochester? Let's let's just say, for argument's sake, that Rochester had a, a handful of committee members who were really bullish on them, there, but maybe right on the fence. And suddenly, that loss to Emory, they lose the capability of still making that argument because you know, win over Emory, they got a six eighty winning percentage. This is probably a no brainer. They're in the tournament already. What were they going in? I don't remember what they were going into the weekend before the win loss. 667. They were right yeah, at 667. Were, so they're probably still yeah. borderline. And so maybe those committee members are like, listen, 667, I'm okay. That's fine. They got a great thing. We're good. 
Now they slip to 640 because they've lost yet another game to Emory. In, in this case, it's to Emory, I should say, and it's another loss. And now maybe the, those committee members change their mind. That's the part we can't figure out. That's the part we, you know, aren't in the room. Or as as Ryan was saying earlier, um, something about you know understanding the the context of the committee. We don't know if if those who were fine with it are now no longer fine with it. And that's the tough part because I think there's an argument by twenty uh, by by a significant amount of winning percentage, twenty percent that Utica gets ahead of Rochester potentially because otherwise Rochester is blocking Utica from having any chance at all of making the NCAA tournament here. But here's the challenge with Utica, just if we're now kind of redoing the regional rankings, which we should, Utica's wins, and this may be a a week old, Hamilton, Nazareth, Alfred, Nazareth, Alfred. St. John Fisher. There's yep. nothing. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mean to disparage. I'm, there's nothing in No, there's nothing process. huge there, no. I yeah, agree. So, like, I, agree. I still think Rochester, if I was looking at the criteria, totality of resume, I would have put Rochester ahead just, of Utica in the region. I think the argument being is, that, is if that win-loss finally was too much to stomach, for lack of a better description. But why I, wouldn't they have done it the week got before? 10 because it was at right? 667 the week before. It was at a point where it was still two-thirds of their games. That's what but I'm saying is I wonder right. if that equation changes and suddenly the committee is like, okay, I just can't keep making this argument. I, it's just – it's total curiosity from my perspective. Yeah, I, I have a hard there, time believing – go ahead, Drew. I agree with you, Dave, on the point of maybe should they be, uh, be ranked at that point of is there some sort of floor of what's realistic, but based on the committee behavior – of what they did with Carnegie Mellon and Emory and others, I think at 640, they probably still might very well be ranked ahead of Utica. It's, it's really apples and oranges. And by here. the way, yeah, you're, I, I agree. But by the way, quick note, Luke Flakertzi on the committee, he's not partaking in any of this. I think that's the other twist here. Someone else from the East region comes on board. Do they make as strong an argument for Rochester? To, to be nightmare a, scenario, by the way, because right? if you're the vice chair or whatever Luke's title is, you know, this thing's coming down to a decision on your team. And it's and you're not in there. And the longer it goes, the longer, you know, you're sitting there just from an optic standpoint, like no one wants that. No one wants this to play out this way. This no, is not fun from moment one. I mean, Rochester's been on the board the entire time. He hasn't Since been on this one. call. Good point. So I. I just have a very hard time believing a room full of mostly basketball coaches is going to say one loss completely eliminates a good team from at least discussion. Uh, and I think when we discuss the criteria, the one thing we know Rochester about makes a strong the, case. The one thing we know about basketball coaches that come it depends on where they come from in their perspective. If you're talking about basketball coaches who are the UAA, CCIWY, and I'm just choosing some randomly. Um, not being purposeful, they may be strong SOS, per, you know, individuals. But if you're talking about those who know how tough it is to try and schedule like that in their own sure. life, they're not going to be as strong on the SOS. They're going to be much more on the W uh, on the wins and the losses. I think that's where that dynamic is rather interesting. And, and I don't know where it goes because. Yeah. 
We haven't been. We able do to believe clean. Rochester's on the board ahead of Utica, though, right? We should yeah, put them we, back up here. We just did Maybe. that for illustration. I think as, I a, think as the, a group, I think that twenty percent difference in win losses, staggering. I'd I'd rather go down. I'd rather be wrong having Rochester okay. ahead than if we put Utica ahead. If we, you're a Utica fan, you are hating this right now. <laughs> yeah. But if you were Ramapo, or sorry, a Roanoke fan last year, you were hating it. Granted, it was a little different with two losses to Guilford. I also wanted to mention we we eliminated Elmhurst from this round. There, there's, I'm going to call it the the blah resume issue here. Um, no offense to our friend Drew who's sitting here. We have a group of us that have all kinds of uh, issues. We've got Matt Snyder whose team lost last night. That was rough. <laughs> Drew sitting on the bubble. My team, I don't know. We had like 18 or 19 losses this year, something like that. So we we've got some issues here on the call. Um, but Worcester. 778, 553, 3 and 4, they're just they're they're there isn't a lot to get excited about in the RRO wins. And Guilford's in the same spot. Like we keep coming back to Worcester Guilford and Lacrosse as well. Like Lacrosse's resume, I've never seen a Wyack resume that looks like that, that isn't an immediate pick, because the fives are always like they've beaten Platteville and Oshkosh. And Lacrosse just doesn't have a ton there. I don't mean. Uh, well, let me ask the group. I mean, is that group in play here at all? Well, I'll also point out that because we had all the carnage over the weekend, and so many um, at large had to go to teams we swore were going to be AQs. Maybe a resume like Lacrosse's jumps out at us in a normal year, and they're done. But at this point, they're sitting there because there's not enough room. One on the board so, that I like. You said, "Go ahead, Ryan." We've we've basically eliminated Elmhurst at this point because their resume is not as good as Rochester's to consider from that skewed perspective. If we're looking at this, the next best win on the board is Muhlenberg's win over Johns Hopkins. Their winning percentage is not where you want it, but they have a strong SOS and they've got the best win on the board. Do they come up in this conversation? I just can't see that when there's such a gap in win percentage between them and some of the other teams on the board when they're giving up over 100 points to Guilford, for example, with a, uh, a comparable SOS and identical SOS and VRRO. At some point, the, the 100 and some points of winning percentage has got to count more than the, the one key win. So then can we eliminate Muhlenberg then from this? I think so. For me, I think Muhlenberg is not competitive in the process. To me, at 667, there's got to be more going on to the right. And they're just, I know the Hopkins win is awesome, but there's got to be more. There's got to be a couple of those, you know? And So we, we've we eliminated Elmhurst, and I think we've eliminated Muhlenberg. My next question is then, is DeSales SOS too low to consider? Yes. Yep. Yeah. In the absence of other stuff, it, like if DeSales had good stuff to the right, so let's just t- check it out. Uh, what's DeSales' best... Is there anything Muhlenberg and Montclair State. Montclair's on the board, but not a, they're not a top two. They're not a. They're a three. Mm -hmm. I think we can eliminate the sales. Yes. And and to be honest with you, at 504, that's not going out there and trying to schedule anything. I I bet their non-conference SOS isn't all that great. Now, CMS at 800-523, three and four. Uh, the three includes a game. Mary Harden Baylor. Mary Harden Baylor. 
Where did we have Mary Hardenbiller ranked in the region? Is that two? They're number two, I believe. Yeah. I, th- I think CMS is very much in the conversation. I'm not saying they're, they have a, they're a They pick. have one win against Mary Hardenbiller, and then they got two wins against Redlands. They didn't get right. any wins against Pomona or anybody else. So one win, bubble or better, and they have the, the second lowest SOS on the board ahead of only to sales. That's... That eight looks nice on the, the winning percentage, but uh, that's... I'd take WPI be before I took uh, Claremont. Tell you what, if as a group we're not in on Claremont, I, 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 I look at Rochester. I think that's got to be the next pick. I mean, it, <laughs> 10, 10, uh, 629 <clears throat> with the totality of the resume now again in the next round i'm i would still come back and want to talk about claremont mud scripts more but then we have a whole bunch of stuff to sort out yeah. but for me what about here Gil- what about yeah uh, guilford jumps out at me to me that's in the block category though what like they needed to well 551 you know, sos also once you start talking about guilford lacrosse has beaten guilford so you have to have that conversation too I think lacrosse having beaten Guilford, to me, eliminates Guilford. You know, like if we're struggling between like those Worcester, Guilford, lacrosse. So maybe I can chime in here because my top 25 ballot has and will continue to even when I turn it in tomorrow morning, Guilford number three in the country. I believe Guilford is one of the very best teams in the country. I do not think they have the resume to get in here. I'm happy to eliminate them for all the reasons we've said, and there's no bias there because I think it's absolutely insane that this team will not be playing, but they just don't have the numbers for it. I have 19 or 20 from last week, and to be honest with you, they didn't blow me away this weekend. I think this is where, like, real-life basketball and the criteria are are worlds apart. Um, This is one of those. I have others. Like, I've said this for Carlton. I think Carlton's uh, fantastic. The, the the criteria says they're a middling seed. Well, that's where the Mayak needs to get its head out of its rear end. Sure. But just the point of the criteria is is the criteria. So I, I agree that Guilford I doesn't just, have it. I just meant to say I'm the biggest Guilford fan outside of the Palumbo family. And like <laughs> we, I, I can't justify keeping them in this conversation. So... It's interesting. I'm in the same position, too. Their strength of record, based on what would an average bubble team have done against their schedule, they are in the top 10 in the country that way, too, and that's a pure wins and losses. Uh, kind of just they don't match up well with the criteria. We haven't talked about Colby much, 741-552. I don't think there's, with all those opportunities they have for a, Colby and the NESCAC, do they have any kind of win there? Number three, Williams. Williams. Hey, Williams. And Williams is is uh, there are three, a three, right? And Williams and Hamlet. I don't think you can straight eliminate them, but I don't think they're 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 up here right now. They're not a bad resume. I think they it's look like, in some ways inferior to some of the other teams that have yeah. a higher winning percentage and uh, same, and about the same SOS. Right. Here's and here's we we have to bring this one up so. Worcester, Worcester lost at home to Rochester. Yeah, we we can't pick Worcester over Rochester if if it's a tie, and I don't think it's quite a tie. Wow! But if there's a head to head, 
that has to it, it has to break I don't that think tie. that if it's a tie, right? If it's a tie, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not even a tie. I mean, I I think we all agree that Rochester's. I think we think Rochester's a little bit ahead of Worcester. Mm. I don't disagree. I think I, the win loss percentage is screaming out loud. I I think we got to put Rochester in here, and then we really dig down for the final pick. I think it's Rochester. I think we just need if to. We vote don't go and, twenty for twenty, and Rochester's on the way out. I'm firing all of you people. I'm just joking. I like this firing. for twenty years. We get to the same point in the show every year for twenty years. I was. This is. I know. just think. I think we have to have a serious conversation. And I mean as a division. I don't mean as us. I mean as a division. About, listen, it's great that we're boosting SOSs. It's great that we're going out there and challenging ourselves. That's wonderful. But at some point, it's like the example I've used numerous times of the lacrosse coaches who th- still think that a team that went 500 is a top 25 team because they played in a tough conference. Still didn't win enough games. I don't know what the solution is. I've heard of rumors, but well, I don't know what it is. But if if we keep taking teams into the into the NCAA tournament because their SOS is through the roof and unachievable, honestly, for a lot vast majority of the division, I just think it's the wrong message. Do we do we look at this also the other way? Rochester's unique in a number of ways, but they they're regionally ranked wins is not because of the UAA. They only have four in conference. They played they played Middlebury. They have Texas, it, Dallas they brought in. They brought yeah, Middlebury into town. They went and played Worcester. Like this is not just a benefiting from their conference schedule. Like they did poorly in the conference overall. Yeah, you know, let's like say these that wins again. are coming outside. But they, they Texas Dallas Texas. was a is a is a late ad seven. St. John Fisher is a six in region three. They beat Middlebury. Nazareth, right. So they've got one. If I look at the totality of their schedule, they non-conference, to, they've got one. No, I, I know that w- this year they went to – here's my point. They scheduled Worcester. Like I know Worcester isn't a top 10 team this year, but when you schedule Worcester, you're, that's good. And they brought in middle – like I'm not disagreeing with UAA. that. I'm not, but I'm not talking about the UAA either. I'm, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not disagreeing that they went and scheduled themselves. I'm, I have no qualms about what Luke did and what they did and who they played. My point is to allow them in based only on that, because we're not we're, we're dismissing the fact that they lost that many games. There's a vast majority, I'd say at least three quarters of this division that cannot for a variety of reasons, come close to doing that kind of scheduling, and we're eliminating them if they lost three games. But let's think about this, Dave, the flip side. We put Williams in pretty early. If Williams had Rochester's schedule, where would we be in this conversation? It's still the same conversation. I'm not talking about Rochester. I'm talking about... Putting a team in that went and scheduled great, and I have no problems with that, but didn't win enough games. But our task is still to evaluate the two the resumes, right? And again, my point is, if this happens, if Rochester gets in, I think the division needs to have a conversation about SOS having too much influence and overriding win loss to some degree 
when it's known in the division of vast majority of those schools cannot in any way, shape, or form, whether it's conference limitations because they have so many conference games, it's financial limitations because they aren't at a school sure. that can afford that kind of money, if it's simply just restrictions academically because their presidents or whatever won't let them you know, travel at a certain time or whatever, the case, there's a host of reasons. But more than three-quarters of the division cannot put a schedule like that together. Let me rephrase that. Three-quarters of the division can't put a schedule close to that together and be in a serious conversation with that many losses. They're being rewarded on only the schedule. They're not being rewarded on the totality of their record because their win-loss is being dismissed. And I think that's... The question isn't whether they should get in. I think out of the five of us, four of us think they shouldn't. No, and again... they are going to. Again, not, not my point. My point is, I think the division... The SOS is 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 rearing its head so much. I don't think this happens in other sports either, by the way. But even in women's basketball, tampers uh, tamp you know tamps down a little bit. You we we've got to find a bet a, somehow a way of saying, listen, great scheduling, but you didn't win enough games because who name me a school that can go out there? You talked about Barry, great example. Only because I wish Barry had a better resume. Barry should have a better resume. But if Barry went and let's say improved five of those games, and still had, let's say, let's add two losses, so they had four losses on the season, they're probably still out of the conversation compared to Rochester. And yet they have a pretty good resume. Rochester's only well, but- being considered because they have an insane resume that a lot of schools just can never achieve. Well, they but- they they're being considered because they 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 beat a lot of great teams. That's why we're talking Great. about them. Is number seven Texas Dallas, number six Saint John Fisher, number four Nazareth, number two Middlebury. I'll give you that one. Number eight oh, Ithaca, number five Worcester. Two. There's only Jeez. one non-conference win that's of note. Are, so I'm just saying though, they, they if Rochester case, came to the table, I said there's one have, non-conference win of note. I don't. I think though a lot of the teams we've taken, maybe Saint Joseph is a big exception. A lot of their RROs are in conference games for conferences that have a lot of. I, I think yeah, we got to rewind the whole RR, There's only the one or two out of conference for most of these teams anyway. But they also have losses. You, but we, yeah. we we beat anybody in non-conference. So what yeah, I would say is we're spiraling down a road that has nothing to do with the criteria. No, but so no, I'll that. I'll stick to the criteria. Win over Case Western Reserve, also a loss to Case Western Reserve. So when my book gets wiped out. A win over Carnegie Mellon, but also a loss to Carnegie. Oh, no, they beat them twice. I apologize. A win to and why not the committee we, does we it? They don't no, I know. I th- my point They're is, I think they do. No, Ryan, I don't think that's true. It's a regionally ranked opponent, so they beat yeah, a regionally but the committee ranked. Doesn't doesn't and, interpret it that way. They never have. That's not true. That's not true at all. But They're going to look at a regionally ranked and said you beat one and you lost one. They don't count it as a win. They're going to count. They're going to look at a regionally ranked opponent and say you beat them and you lost to them. You beat them and you but lost to them. They're more going to say you beat them, though. Are they? I don't think that's true. Yes. I don't think yes. that's true. It's true. I in conversations I had, the losses in against regionally ranked opponents do come into play. Here's what I would say: is just to, to sum this this part up is I completely agree with you, Dave. That we we need we need more definition. We need more parameters. 
I, I, I mentioned Carlton earlier. Yeah. To me, that's the best example I have of like a team where they probably weren't going to get in tonight if they needed to in Pool C. But because of their league, they can't have a good SOS without the craziest, luckiest non-conference scheduling of all time. They'd have to, yeah. they'd have to schedule the perfect programs and hope they had the perfect season. So I agree with you. Now, we are here to evaluate these teams' totality of the resume. I believe we're like Claremont Mud Scripps or Rochester is what I've heard. I think we have to make a decision between those two. I, I support either one of those, but that seems like where we got down to. Yeah, and I, I think if, if Guilford's two wins were Middlebury and Case, they would have been in already. You know, I think some of the times we're getting distracted by some of those other things. Wait, say that again? I didn't follow. What'd you so say, Ryan? I'm saying that the two wins that Rochester has are better than any of the other wins that we've got on the board here. You know, and I think we're getting caught up in a way that I'm just not sure the committee will. Oh, no, I think they're going to die. But I've been the big proponent. I'll let you guys vote through whether you want to do it or not. I would vote for Rochester here. I would vote Rochester here, too. I likewise think the committee is going to pick Rochester, whether I would or not at this point. I'm going to abstain because I I actually wonder if there's a twist coming. And there could be. Like 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 we said, it could have been that Utica could have been on the board the whole time. We just we have no no way to know. We think we made the right decision. Maybe we didn't. And so we come up to this last section and we have essentially eliminated DeSales, Muhlenberg, Guilford, Elmhurst at this point. Yes? I think so. We're going to look at Utica. Do they have a viable resume? Definitely not. Just on the surface, they do. 846, 526 is, is low-ish, but not a killer. Six and four. Now, what's within the six? Like It's the Empire 8 uh, for, for most of that in teams that are, that are not bubble level. That's the challenge here. They've won a lot of games, but when you look at those wins are over... Nazareth, Alfred, and St. John Fisher. That's the downside. What I'd, I'd like to propose first, since we only have one team left we can pick, um, let's let's go down and just start. If we compare Colby and WPI, which one of those do we like better? By the way, just a reminder, we got one more interview we could go to here. I think we just stay with it, man. We're, well, we're, i got to get the interview aired anyway tonight, so... It's your day. This is your show, Dave. We do not make this decision. Let's we take a quick you. break because I do want to get the interview done. I don't want us to finish this. No one's going to listen to the interview if we're already done with our work. So let's take a quick break. We'll right. come back and, and we'll dive into this uh, as we because uh, I think it's going to be tough. But we also want to hear from John Thompson, who got his team into the tournament. So we'll take a break. Be back with more after this. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal training and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. 
I used to never really talk, ever.、Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. A good citizen is someone who wants to make a positive impact, both in their communities and in the world around them. The Division Three approach is absolutely the best approach out there for amateur sport because it wants student athletes to explore all parts of who they are. Be successful in the classroom. Be successful in competition. Be successful in the community. So our student athletes learn what it means to strive for and attain success, but doing it the right way and being good citizens. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term "gay" doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term "gay" used in a derogatory way. Seventy-six other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well, but it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that, and it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. We'll quickly go to our next conversation we have with John Thompson, the head coach of North Carolina Wesleyan, the Battling Bishops into the tournament for the first time in quite some time, out of a revamped USA South uh, conference. By the way, don't forget we got our last pick coming up. The guys are working hard. We'll join that in just a moment. But here is our conversation with John Thompson earlier today. Now joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of the Battling Bishops of North Carolina, Wesleyan. It is John Thompson. Coach, great to see you. Congratulations on a victory in the USA South. We'll certainly talk about how that's a little bit different, but more importantly, you got it done. That's all that matters. You got an AQ. You're going to be playing next week. You know on Monday your name will be announced. It's just a matter of where, when, and who. You got to be pretty thrilled with how the how the team's gone because the season's been great. It, it has. We've got A tremendous group of young men, and、uh, they've been a lot of fun to coach. And、uh, obviously, we couldn't be any happier with、uh, you know the way the season has gone. And、um, yesterday, we knew we, we had to get it done. There was no、uh, no guarantee that we were going to get in if if we didn't. So、uh, the one way we could assure ourselves a bid was to win. And the guys really played well, really played hard and well. A little bit of a different USA South. Something we really haven't talked about this season. Probably something we we just should have is obviously it wasn't the big behemoth that it's been over the last few years with the、uh, the new conference spinning out of that and you guys then being more of a traditional conference.、Um, it allowed a lot of factors. First off, not as many conference games to beat you all up. A little bit of more non-conference affair, but also a little bit of kind of a moment to breathe. I would assume. What was the season like? Versus what you've been used to for so many years. Yeah, it, 
you said it, it was more of a traditional league. Um, you know, I'm old enough that I was in the league when it was a traditional league. Yeah. And then saw it become, as you said, this behemoth. Um, and that was an adjustment. And we probably had just become accustomed to that behemoth when COVID hit. And COVID changed the way that we scheduled uh, our, our uh, cross-division games were eliminated. And so we had been playing more of a traditional schedule anyway uh, for the last two years. So uh, for me, it it seems more natural. It seems more normal. I, you know, these teams, and, and no matter what level you look, uh, the leagues with 15 teams, 16 teams, uh, really just seem, uh, they seem too big to mm. me. Um, and and so this felt natural and normal and appropriate for college basketball to me. Sure. Makes sense. Let's talk about the opening part of the season. You went three and three, but you had some really interesting results in there. Uh, you got a win over Randolph to start the season. You got a loss to Mary Washington, of course, a team that is likely to be in the NCAA tournament had knocked off Randolph-Macon, had some really good battles with some other programs, so they've been in the mix. You then beat Guilford. They're in the conversation. Uh, you then lost to Virginia Wesley and then beat Eastern and then lost to Christopher Newport in a pretty good battle there, uh, uh, enough to get Ryan Scott talking about you guys uh, in December about just where you guys might be as a program. What stands out, though, is from there you went 20-21. and 21. You won 20 games of the of the, of the last 21 Obviously, most of that coming in conference, but you know that was a bit of a battle at the beginning. But it, it feels to me like it maybe prepped you for the rest of the season pretty nicely, and maybe is going to have you understanding March a little bit better. Yeah, I you know I do think that it helped prep us for the rest of the season. There's no doubt. And you know, as I looked at the start of the year schedule, I began to question who was in charge of scheduling here. And unfortunately, <laughs> I had to look at the mirror. Um, but I thought when we left Christopher Newport, um, I felt really good about our team. Uh, I, I felt like we proved to anybody who was interested, and most importantly, I think, to our guys who maybe didn't know exactly where on the spectrum we are. Uh, and look, we, we can play. And we can play, you know, Eastern in that tournament at Christopher Newport, they came in undefeated, I think. I, I think believe you're right, yeah. Five or six and oh or something coming in there. And um, so, you know, like I think the early season really helped us. Um, the, the win at Guilford was was great. And obviously that game could have gone either way. It came down to a final possession and um, we were able to score on a follow shot. Um the, the Mary Washington game here was a tremendous game. It was low scoring, but I thought it was a really well-played game by both teams and, you know, came down to a one possession game. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, I, I think those games helped us and I hope that they will help us here in March. Sure. Six and oh, yeah. Eastern was six and oh coming into that one and, and having a pretty decent season actually finished with 18 or 19 wins this year. Um your one blemish was William Peace, who who nipped you eighty to seventy eight, kind of a, a bit of a thorn in your side. You beat him seventy three sixty seven in the regular season. So honestly, the conference tournament game kind of surprised me. Eighty to sixty one wasn't exactly the spread I expected there. Tell me a little bit about Peace, because to be honest, I think we're still getting used to them a little bit. They seem to have kind of emerged a little bit this season. 
Absolutely. No, they, uh, the game there was, was a tough game and, and uh, well-deserved win by peace. Uh, the game here was tough throughout. Um, you know, I, I couldn't have quoted the score to you, but a six-point game, I mean, it was probably not much more than that in either direction for the entire game. Um, felt very fortunate. I certainly did not foresee a 19-point win yesterday coming. Um, but they're very good. They had the three top scorers in our league, one, two, and three in our league on their roster. Uh, so those guys could really score, could really play. They're good, savvy basketball players. Um, they're hard to guard. And, um, you know, they're, they're a team that will be very good. I think just about all those guys are back. Yeah. No, that could be a fascinating team to watch. Moving down the road. By the way, we should point out they had a 12-game turnaround in wins and a nine-game turnaround in losses. They were six and eighteen last season, eighteen and nine this season. Tell me a little bit about your team. Uh, you got four guys in double figures. Two of them are seniors. Two of them are juniors. You got Isaiah Lewis leading the way at fifteen point eight points a game. He also has seven and a half rebounds per contest and a block and a half. You got uh, Braden Dixon, the senior, also twelve points per contest, three plus, almost four rebounds a game. Uh, hands out two assists per game. Uh, Khalid uh, Shavis Hines, 11.7 points per game. Uh, while he's got about four and a half rebounds, he hands out nearly four assists per game. He gets two steals per contest. And Austin Manley, loves, uh, 11 and a half points a game for him as well. Uh, he certainly helps dish it out. As, you've got a lot of weapons there, at least in those four. I know there's more guys, but tell me about that that quad. Yeah, well, it, all very good basketball players. Isaiah, interestingly, uh, you know, was very lightly recruited as a high school player. We were actually recruiting another kid on his team and just kind of looked at him and said, hey, he's long, he's 6'5 and a half, 6'6 maybe, pretty athletic, you know, maybe we should take a shot and see if he can develop. And every time we watched him, we liked him more and more, and he's really developed. He's been incredibly coachable. And he's gone from playing not a tremendous amount early on to being the player of the year in the league as a senior. So, um, you know, very, very nice player for us. Uh, Braden Dixon, uh, we loved. He came, came to our elite camp as a high school senior and uh, was a kid that we recruited early on and has been uh, kind of a combo, played a lot of point for us, played off the ball when Khalid arrived and um, has really made Big shot after big shot here down the stretch. He made a shot to send the Brevard game on the road to overtime. He made a game-winning shot at the buzzer uh, to beat Mary Baldwin. He made multiple big shots in the game yesterday. Uh, so he's he's a very savvy veteran guy. Khalid Chavis Hines scored 10 points yesterday and was the MVP of the tournament. Yeah. Um, but to go with those 10 points, he had eight rebounds, I think, six assists, a blocked shot, which he never gets, um, a couple of steals. And he is also the defensive player of the year in our league. So his defense really sets the tone for us and uh, helps our attempt to control the game on that side of the ball. And then Austin Manley, um, I don't know what he is right now, but at various times, he's been among the top two or three three-point percentage shooters in the country. Um, had multiple, you know, five or six three-pointers made in a game. Really, really can get it going. Um, and he he got sick 
uh, late in the year, he missed our uh, home finale against Mary Baldwin. Uh, and so just came back this week. Was a little had been a little under the weather. Uh, didn't really have his legs under him, so he wasn't probably at full strength in the tournament. But uh, really outstanding shooter and a very good rebounder for a guard. So uh, those guys are really really good. But um, you know the other starter in the lineup, Marquise Eskew, made the all tournament team yesterday at 18 points um, and. and Kyron Kelly, six-six uh, athlete, uh, who really is a great finisher and ha- is constantly developing. Uh, he, he's getting better every day. So we we do have some some different guys available. And a team that's nineteenth in the country, by the way, in field goal percentage defense. You guys certainly want to try and slow down your opponents, and it seems to be working pretty well that way too. Yeah, I think defense has been our calling card this year. I, I think that. Uh, you know, we've been able to put good pressure on the basketball. I think we've um, been able to rebound pretty well. And, uh, you know, that's that's where things start for us, defense and rebounding. It's a program you've been around for quite some time. Your 28th season, I believe, at the helm. You've got 430 wins almost. We're, we're almost there. Maybe you get one in March. You'll hit that mark. What does it mean to you? I mean, because you have absolutely been the, uh, the the epitome of the battling bishops. Uh, everything in the department, you've been an AD, now you're director of compliance, you've been a coach for a long time. You've seen the ups and downs of NC Wesleyan. As you said, you were there before the USA South became the behemoth that it is. What does it mean to get your program once again back in this national conversation, back to the tournament, and, and who knows, maybe even make some waves here come in March? Yeah, well, obviously, we're very proud of of this team and and what we've done. Um, you know, I think that um, you know it's just like making the tournament is really hard. I mean, there are very few teams who enjoy the ability to go year after year, or you know, like it's a really rare year when they don't make it. Uh, there are very few of those schools, and. Uh, we appreciate how hard it is to get there. And uh, while we think even in years where we're absent, uh, we think we've put together a really good program and uh, a program that year in and year out is going to be competitive and that we're going to have a chance. And then, as we all know, at this time of year, there's a little bit of a roll of the dice to it. And uh, this this group has been on a mission, and they've they've really bonded. We've got really outstanding senior leadership, and um, a lot of things have fallen into place. And it's fallen into place in large part because of their commitment level and their discipline level. You all can uh, clinch the conference championship two years ago. Uh, unfortunately, COVID had already canceled the tournament by that point in time. So really, this is the first time you're dancing since 2011. Is there any buzz on campus yet? Has everybody kind of appreciated the fact on Monday we know your name's popping up and you guys get to play at least another week? Well, I know there was a buzz in the gym yesterday. Our crowd <laughs> was tremendous, and and we really appreciate the support that we have. Um, I haven't been on campus until I drove in to do this. And uh, I, I know baseball is going outside. And uh, 
you know, but I, I don't know what the buzz is on campus. But, uh, you know, I, I know that there's a buzz among our players. And uh, I, I think the buzz on campus will be good this week, yes. I am sure. It'll be fun to see uh, the name pop up, as I said, on Monday's shows. And congratulations, Coach. I know you guys have felt like you've been knocking on the door often to, to be in this position. It's nice to see you break through. Uh, and be there and and talk about you. And thanks for coming on the show to talk about your program. I appreciate the time you found us. In the meantime, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? You know what? The main thing I want to say, Dave, is thank you. I want to thank you for what you do for Division Three college basketball. And, uh, you know, year in and year out, you talk about perennials, teams that make it every year or or frequently make it. Uh, you're always there, and you're an advocate for all of us uh, in in Division Three, and we appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, John. I appreciate it. it. Means a lot coming from you. Congratulations again. Good luck. Come next week, wherever you might be, and whoever you end up playing, we'll look forward to watching the game. In the meantime, take care of yourself. We'll talk soon. Thank you, John Thompson, joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Thanks to John Thompson for joining us. Great conversation to him. Congratulations to the Bedling Bishops on making the NCAA tournament. When we come back, our final pick of the men's selection, mock selection, remember, and then we'll start talking about what to expect tomorrow. You listen to Hoops Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com and Sport Tours International from the WBCA NABC Studios. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, 
greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Passion's love. Passion is love for what you do. Because I think when you face challenges, it comes down to how much you want it and how much you love it. Passion is what keeps you going forward. Seeing so many people that were like-minded and so hardworking in their sport and academics, being surrounded by like-minded people makes you want to be more passionate. I think it pushes you to a, a different level that maybe you didn't think you had. And you can do the best of both worlds and love all of it. And welcome back to the Selection Sunday special here on Hoopsville. A reminder, we'll be back on the air at 7 o'clock Monday night for our Brackets Breakdown special, If I'm Awake. Uh, we still have our um, Brackets to be announced tomorrow, men at 1 p.m. Eastern, women at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. We'll have it all at d3hoops.com. Uh, we'll see also how accurate we were with our selection process. More importantly, are we done on the men's side uh, take a quick look at where stand, things stand as of right now. There are 19 of 20 picks so far, and you can see who's on the board. Colby, WPI, Utica, DeSales, Muhlenberg, Guilford, Worcester, Elmers, Lacrosse, and Claremont Mud Scripps are the ones remaining on the table. And you'll notice the big unicorn, Rochester, was picked 19th. So where does this all go from here? Well, joining us to discuss it all is our selection crew, and then some, and I clicked on the wrong thing here. Bear with me. I'm clearly very tired at this point. And there we go. Pat Coleman joining us. He's behind the board there. I, I just can't move too many things around. Oh, I'm going to have to move some things around because I just noticed uh, Drew Pastor has got a big basketball over his head now. So we'll fix that a little bit. But, uh, gentlemen, uh, all right, uh, where do we stand with everything? Well, the, the, the long story, or the short story, and by the way, you know it's a big deal, like when, when Pat Coleman just rolls in randomly on the Zoom. All of a sudden, you're watching the board, and there comes Pat Coleman. He's like, he popped in. Are you boys jump. done yet? Because I'm done with the bracket. Let's go. <laughs> right. Everyone, you could sense it. You know, it's a big moment. So we're down to three teams that are on this board. We're down to Utica, Lacrosse, and Claremont Mud Strips. We've... For, for a million reasons that we could replay, we've eliminated everyone else and, and have gotten ourselves down to Utica, lacrosse, CMS. We have different options here. Utica is kind of the anti-Rochester pick, high winning percentage pick, but also six RROs, big number, not a lot of not a lot of like meat behind the six, but six. Lacrosse, steady Eddie resume, 731, 556, five and five. Um, a win over Whitewater, two losses to Whitewater and a win over Guilford, who's sitting on the board. And Claremont Mud Scripps, 800-523. The 523's on the low side. Three and four. The three includes Mary Harden-Baylor. That's a good win. Um, so, gentlemen, where do we stand on Utica Lacrosse CMS? Because it's nitty-gritty time, and we'll have to make a decision. Well, I'll, I'll jump in on this one. Uh, last year, this group picked Utica in a similar situation as a high winning percentage, uh, lower SOS RRO pick. And that was the one that we got wrong. It was the very last team we picked mm. last year in the 20th round. And with this committee being SOS driven, I'm sort of loath to go that way again. Um, CMS is interesting. What sticks in my head is that in the top 16, 
the uh, committee put St. Thomas out of Region 10 a lot lower than we expected that they might um, out of that. And some of that has to do with perceived um, scheduling things. And that makes me lean a little bit toward lacrosse, despite the low win percentage, even uh, at least if we think that Whitewater might be uh, a number two in the region now, and that becomes a substantial win. And the Guilford win. I think the Guilford win becomes pretty big at this point. Yeah, looking more into the, I know the six and four looks big for Utica, but those are not good numbers on either side, right? Two of those wins are Alfred, who was barely ranked last week and probably fell out for this week. Obviously, they still count because they're in for number three. But also when you look at the losses, Utica has four losses. Three of them are to teams ranked lower than they are. Whereas you look at at CMS, they have four losses, but three of them are to teams ranked higher than them. Right. You know, and it's the same thing. Lacrosse has losses that are to teams, you know, there's Oshkosh in there. Two to Whitewater. Right. Whitewater is in there. Like most of their losses are to teams ranked higher than them. I feel like we need to eliminate Utica even though those numbers look good, you know, as Drew said, we made the mistake last year of kind of being fooled by a similar resume. Um, I, I just feel like those, those numbers are kind of weak. The difference is Utica has two wins on a four, right? With Nazareth. So, you know, you compare that yeah. to lacrosse, who has one win against Whitewater. It's great, but they've got two losses to them. I... I I don't think yeah, that's... Well, Utica, Utica went one and two against St. John Fisher, you know? Who's the They six? lost to St. John yeah. Fisher twice and only beat them once. Yeah. I just don't... And we think, we think Whitewater's ranked higher than Lacrosse, and we think uh, Nazareth is ranked, ranked lower than Utica. Yeah, we huh. think Whitewater. We're confident Whitewater's two in Region 9, that it goes Oshkosh, Whitewater, one and two. So... That, that is a tough one. You know, for lacrosse, for me, it is a, again, it's so strange. We're looking at a WIAC resume like that and not putting it in because usually there's so much substance behind it. Um, I don't love that lacrosse didn't beat Oshkosh once. Home game against Oshkosh, you know, that gets you in. By the um, way, I don't. Quick note Utica's ahead of Nazareth because they beat him twice. Right. Sure. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. So you're 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 saying yeah they they're ranked below uh, below them but yeah because they beat them twice so I think that's part of that conversation. So we're about. double counting criteria all over the place here, so we can't <laughs> stop now. Right. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. I'm go pro- ahead. I'm I'm probably lacrosse or CMS here. Um, I, 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 devil's advocate. How fun would it be? Let's pick CMS. Let's get three Skyac teams in here. Let's have some fun with the bracket. Is what they wouldn't be doing. It would Next. be fun. It would be fun if we picked Claremont Mud Scripts because the big thing is the Mary Harden Baylor win, and that was like an opening weekend game. And so yeah. it'd be fun if that was a big factor in the right? determination. Well, we can bring up the other fun theme about this. There are no. If more. Nazareth was on the board right now, I think we'd be taking them. Uh, fair and they argument. are being blocked by having lost twice to Utica. Yeah, fair point. Wow. I mean, but I think I'm, Nazareth would be the pick if they were here. Could, could be. That's that we've we've discussed that throughout the season a few times. The whole like the the head to head thing. It's a tricky deal because, yeah, I mean Nazareth. 
probably has a better resume than Utica in this process, don't they? Well, it's what happened last year with Absolutely. Roanoke. Again, I'll bring it up. Roanoke Guilford. Guilford did not have a better resume on the national level as Roanoke did, but Roanoke went 0-2 against Guilford. If they had gone one and one against Guilford, Roanoke's ahead of them and probably in the NCAA tournament. Nazareth goes one and one against Utica. They're ahead of them in the rankings probably and in the NCAA tournament. Well, Nazareth has an SOS of 516, 516. That's the problem. They beat, now, they, have, they beat Oswego. So if Nazareth is on the board, we'd be haggling over all that stuff, right? The, <laughs> the .516 versus the Oswego win. I don't think Fair. it'd be any easier if Fair. Nazareth was on the board. All right, so are we doing lacrosse? I think we. I think are we comfortable with lacrosse? Um, no. <laughs> well, I started... are we down to a vote? I think, which is almost the entire reason I came on here, was to suggest <laughs> that we go to parliamentary procedure here. I, I'm almost leaning towards CMS, to be honest. Well, you can have a vote. Yeah, I think we should. Uh, we should have a vote and. Make our pick and be done with it. Uh, how do we want the vote to play out? Who's our parliamentarian? Uh, who's going to run this thing? Pat, you just rolled in here. Tell us how the vote's going to work. Uh, well, I mean, I think we'll just do a show of hands. Are um, we doing Robert's we've already had. I think we've already had all of our discussion. I don't yeah. think we need to talk about making a motion or having a second or anything like that. <laughs> I think if we're just down to uh, lacrosse and Claremont, <laughs> let's see a show of hands. First for the team on the board from Region 9, UW Lacrosse. Oh, interesting. And then a vote for Claremont Bud Scripps. Oh, you're so not I'm voting, not your, I'm not a part of your committee. Oh. I'm just here to comment. I, I just thought maybe we were going to get a 3-3 split there for a second. Yeah, are you like the vice president <laughs> tiebreaker? I would rather have CMS in, but I'm just, that went, that SO... That SOS is scary to me. I just I have a hard time believing the committee is going to take that SOS. I think that we just had a vote and we 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 three to two wins, right? Lacrosse. I think so. Lacrosse just won the vote three to two. All right. And we there's our field. I want it to be CMS. Please know all there, especially the Skynet <laughs> conference that always is subtweeting me. Like hey, you're a hedging hard, CMS. sir. Just, you're a hedging. I don't trust this committee to take that SOS. I'll tell you what, as, as hard as the last pick was, I'm going to say this. I feel way better about Rochester right now. Like, I feel way better about their criteria. Their, yeah, their totality of Rochester's resume was way better than what we just went through. I feel so pretty good about Also, Rochester. to just talk about this, when Saturday morning started, I was convinced that every team with a 700 winning percentage and a 550 SOS would get it. There were only 16 of them on in Pool C at that point. Yeah. And now we're just rejecting a number of them right here on the board, plus some that haven't even made it yet. Because you know, like yeah. <laughs> you have a 964 winning percentage and a 543 SOS enter the board, right? It's this, that's what this weekend was like. Yeah. And the yeah. thought was that this process might be easier because of all the craziness. It It's still at the end. You're still splitting hairs. The margins are so thin. I think and it got harder. 20 either way. I think it got harder at the end because... You had you didn't have the ability to eliminate so many teams right off the bat with bad resumes. Yeah. To have yeah. some of the good ones yeah. shine, you had a bunch of good ones sitting there. So I was just looking at last year's final board because one of the things I do in writing, you know, the project the story on our projected bracket is start from the framework of what we wrote last year. Um, 
and last year at this time on our board was Brandeis, who had a 625 winning percentage. Whitewater had a 600 winning percentage. Claremont had a 667. Otterbein had a 680. There were a lot of teams, you know, as as you alluded to, Dave, that we could have that we eliminated right away in this process. Those teams don't even come to the board this year because of all the upsets. Right. We're, right. We're talking 741, 846, 778, 667, 786, 643, 630, only because Eau Claire comes to the table now. And 800. I mean, we didn't have those numbers at all at the table yep. last year. Eau Claire doesn't come to the table. Last year, we had one bit well, right. And this mm-hmm. year, we've had yeah. eight. Good point, yeah. Drew. Good and, point. You think eight? I thought we had more than that. Well, we can go back and do the math based on what we projected right. um, or not. Uh, it might be different when the dust settles tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. but I mean, Arcadia, yep. well, Arcadia just didn't steal a bid. Babson, but... like, Babson is not a bid thief in no. this committee's mind at the moment. Um, neither is St. John Fisher. Well, Am- Albertus Magnus was a bid thief. Albertus Magnus always a big thief. <laughs> yeah. Shriner. <laughs> Shriner was a big Shriner's a big thief. Yes. Shriner. I think Whitewater was because I don't yeah. know that Whitewater's winning percentage you're probably is right. enough in this. I was just Agreed. thinking that. You're probably right. A single one. Um, let's Those see. Those were big. Um, yeah, like if, if Cal Lou doesn't win, ASC? does Claremont Mud Scripts oh, get in? Who won, what about? Who won the ASC? ETBU. Yeah. They're, they're probably a big thief, right? They, I, I thought they were in good shape. I thought okay. they were. I thought they were in Definitely good shape. A, but what about the Nescaf? Redlands I mean, out of the, the Redlands that, out of the Skyak. Or the Calu, fact that Calu. and Williamson get to the Nescaf final. I mean, was Hamilton getting in? Would I mean, have been on the board. They would have been very much of the conversation. But there could have been a bid thief in the Nescaf the way that played out. Yep. And, and definitely had one with, out of the Skyak. with one less win does not get in, right? Hamilton's 704 right now. If Hamilton loses in the conference tournament there, I don't think they're getting in. It hard it'd be hard to imagine. Still been ahead of Colby, so they would have been mm-hmm. on our board. We would have considered them. It would have been on the board. Well, pretty fascinating well, to say the least. We'll yeah. see if we're right tomorrow. Yeah, well yeah. If Elmhurst gets in, I'm gonna puke. I mean I'm gonna be like, oh my god, we missed the CCIW team. I'm gonna puke if Elmhurst gets in. Just don't don't text me. Or if Rochester me. doesn't get in, I might put my head through a wall, only because if of all the frustration it caused. Elmhurst was staring at us, though we eliminated them. Like we're like, no, we're. Like, yeah, I don't think uh, they're going to get in. But I'm if they you. do, I'll be like, oh, I'll never go. I'll I personally am go. hoping we got a different one wrong, but that's more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that Worcester resume gets in almost every single year, right? No, that's and not exactly. Were safe, like, yeah. We could go. Worcester and WPI looked like they were not quite locked for a all these bubble bursts later for a lot of these teams we can't turn around and go back back and say schedule better we can't go back and say win more games because 95 percent of the time they're in it's you know the only thing you can say is win your conference tournament but thanks to parity to be blunt it's much more wide open now much more wide open but you know no fault to, to worcester they have a pretty good resume Right, again, back to last year. I mean, last year, Calvin made it as an at-large with a 731 and a 542 SOS. Right. <laughs> Neither of those numbers are higher than what Worcester has on the board right now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They did have better RROs, but yeah. But still, yeah. yeah, Just amazing. Uh, not only the parity, but just how much we absolutely this carnage this weekend on the men's side of things. 
Well, gents, really appreciate it. Any final thoughts ahead of tomorrow? We'll go uh, in order, just kind of counterclockwise. I'll start with Bob. Uh, can't wait to see the bracket. This has been fun. It's been fun kind of following this for the last couple of weeks, almost in a daily fashion. It's, uh, it's a blast. Um, I know we grinded this out longer than we should have tonight, but it's that's where right, we care. Yeah, we love exactly. doing this, and, and it shows you how difficult this is. So I uh, appreciate you guys having me on, and this was a blast. Definitely. Ryan Scott. I mean, yeah, it took a long time. And I do think, you know, Dave was right that there needs to be conversations about whether teams should get in. I do think we followed the criteria tonight and continued conversations about what that criteria looks like, not just, you know, win totals or win percentages, but all around. We need to continue to, to refine that and, and do a better job. But um, there's always going to be good teams left out, and we're going to see a ton of yeah. them this year. Yeah, and that's that's really sad. But I think we're also going to see some great basketball. So agreed. Um, yeah, no good points, Matt Snyder. Uh, yeah, I, I had fun tonight. I think we did a good job. I think we got at least 18. But to be honest, that's kind of like our that's kind of like our own Mendoza line. We can't really do worse than that, or else we'd be disappointed. Uh, so we'll see what that happens with the last two. It's going to be a great tournament. Um, I agree with the others. It would be nice to have more framework around the criteria. I don't think it means the committee is doing a bad job. I just think there's not a lot of uh, it's uh, there's a lot open to interpretation of for individual committees to make, and they make some of those determinations differently. So maybe if there was more framework, then we would um, have some more clarity around these Rochester type discussions. Fair, Drew Pastor. Just to say uh, thanks to everybody involved um, these last few weeks. February is always fun with uh, the the group that's on here and several more that aren't on the call. Um, and thanks to you and Pat for uh, everything that you do in promoting the great game across um, the, the division. Well, thank you, Drew, for jumping in tonight as well. Pat, our parliamentarian, any final thoughts? I appreciate it. Uh, I will kind of echo some of the things Drew said, and I'll flip it around the other way. Uh, you know, it used to be, Dave, that you and I would be the people doing all of the math also, yes. right? And we'd be pulling all of the information to find out who, you know, wh what all the numbers are and all of that sort of thing. So to have people like Bob doing this uh, and his projections on a multiple times a day basis, it seems, on Twitter, <laughs> all the work that Matt does. You know, uh, Drew at D3 Bubble on Twitter uh, is the person who I went to all week to determine, you know, when I'm putting together the conference tournament tracker, I'm no longer applying any of my own thoughts into this. It's like, what do the other people think? <laughs> Drew's the first person I go to. So I'm very thankful for that. Dave, I know you need to get some rest. And also one of the things I enjoyed the most about this show was flipping back and forth from the live segments to the stuff taped earlier and seeing Dave's five o'clock shadow switch. Uh, <laughs> got, a of, uh, got a lot of facial hair, lack of continuity there, sir. <laughs> Darn it, I thought I had it right. <laughs> Good call though. Never even considered the facial hair side of that. Good point. Darn it. Yeah, well, I gotta get some sleep, but I also got some notes together for tomorrow. But unless you all wanna help out and start writing down notes about the AQs at least. Ryan and I have a bracket to finish. Oh, that's so we're right. Gonna do that. That's right. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. No one went longer than we planned. Uh, we will revisit that for next year. I found out later, late, right before this show started, that I, we had started a whole hour earlier last year, and maybe that really should be our plan, but we'll cross that bridge next season. But thanks for the hard work, everybody. Really appreciate it. You guys enjoy the rest of your evenings and enjoy Bracket Breakdown. We'll talk to you hey, on Monday. Guys. Thank you. Thank you, David. 
Appreciate the guys coming on board to join us for that. We're going to wrap it up pretty much right there, right now. Uh, not much more to add. I do want to thank all of our coaches who came on the show, and I'm hoping – well, I can get them right because I got them listed here. Uh, bear with me. Um, first and foremost, from the National Committee, Sarah Quadrocki and Megan Wilson, thank you so much for coming on. Really in the middle of their whole process. We got to talk to them um, at about 4.30 Eastern time while they were in the middle of things. Megan's committee was still working and came down. I think Sarah's committee had taken a break. But appreciate them for coming on the show and giving us some insight. Craig Dagan from Maine Maritime. Uh, Kira Mowen from Knox, Joe Shotland from Texas, Dallas, Adam Van Zelst from Arcadia, Brian Martin from Co, and John Thompson from North Carolina Wesley, and of course the women's panel, uh, Scott Peterson, Riley Zayas, and Gordon Mann, and the men's panel, Ryan Scott, Bob Quillman, Pat, uh, Matt Snyder, Drew Pastor, and then Pat Coleman there at the end. Appreciate them coming on board as well. Um, Here's the breakdown again. We will be on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern tomorrow night with a bracket breakdown. We will hopefully be talking to both committee chairs. One of them may be pre-recorded. Um, and we will have a segment with whoever can join us to get reactions, our experts. I'm not sure we'll have a lot of coaches on because it's a little hard to turn those around sometimes. Uh, the men's bracket will be released at 1 o'clock Eastern time. We'll have it at d3hoops.com. The women's bracket will be released at 2.30 Eastern um, on uh, d3hoops.com as well uh, of course you can follow us on twitter at d3hoops or at d3hoopsville using the hashtag hoopsville and d3hoops right there on our little board um and i want to thank all the sports information directors who also helped they actually sent me images that i could make graphics out of i just ran out of time but um i'm gonna probably forget a name i apologize now we are going to do our best to nail these but megan uh at uh at um main maritime thank you for your help um let's see um uh, i'm i'm flying through these i apologize hunter at co thank you for your help um bruce at texas dallas appreciate your help as well uh baden at north carolina wesleyan really appreciate the uh, support you gave us um who am i forgetting i i feel like i'm forgetting somebody i, I i'm looking to double check uh add a, nope who who am i oh lord i apologize oh megan at main burns how we mentioned megan see i'm tired now i've totally lost it so i'm not really sure who i have forgotten or who i didn't if i forgot you i apologize you guys have all been great oh adam at arcadia thank you for your assistance as well it's been great uh, i appreciate everybody who helped us out knox i forgot james at knox for his assistance um thank you to those who donated to the show we inched up a little bit tonight um appreciate that we will continue our fundraising efforts and hope you will continue to help us do the work that we do. Um, and if, again, if you don't want to use uh, Venmo or uh, Give Butter, that's fine. If you want to use Zelle or if you want to use, uh, just send us a check, contact me. We will send you information on how you can do so. Um, and thank you very much. Um, and with that, we will sign off. I want to thank our supporters, of course, D3Hoops.com and everybody behind the scenes there. Sport Tours International, we talk a lot about improving your resumes, improving uh, who you're playing and all that stuff, though a little tough on the men's side this year. But the women as well. Uh, Sport Tours International helps put on the D3Hoops.com Classic annually at the Sport South Point Arena in um, Las Vegas. 
feel free to uh, contact us. We'll get you involved with that and get you in touch with our friends at Sport Tours International. Big thank you for the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and the National Association of Basketball Coaches for their support of our program. We appreciate them more than you can ever imagine. Look forward to our partnership down the road. And, of course, a big thank you to Huddle Blue Frame Technology for their assistance in helping us stream the show and much more beyond that. And with that, we will wrap it up. You've been listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios. Thanks to our partners also at Sport Tours International. Also, a big thank you to my family who not only went away to a hockey game today so I could have a little bit of peace and quiet while I worked, but I've been huge supporters. Uh, Andy does a lot of the sign back there. He, he takes what I want done and puts it together. I appreciate his support. Um, but everybody else who getting me dinner and all that, and even Tucker was asleep at my feet here tonight for his support of our efforts. We'll see you back here on Monday. Fun times. We'll see if we were right on any of them coming up tomorrow. You guys all take care, enjoy, and we will see you later.